Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give them life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. This on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all that counts to me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm James Warner. Here with me, I have Rich Lotta. What's going on, man? Chilling, man. Ready to pack some folks up, uh, some pack some situations up, and uh, celebrate some stuff, uh, ether some stuff, and uh, you know, chill for the next uh, however long this goes. And we got um, returning guests. Uh, been on One Nation Radio before of the Military Industrial Suplex podcast. I don't know if he's still running that, but um, my man Tom Batista, what's going on, man? Rich, it's great to be here. James, it's great to be here. One Nation Radio, the military industrial suplex is back. So it's been a long hiatus. It's been some time. But we're coming back this week. We have Candy Lee from New Zealand. She's going to be the first guest. I have some guests coming up. So we're restarting the podcast. It's been a pandemic. The pandemic has infected all of us, unfortunately. But we're back. We're vaccinated. And we're back. Oh man, that, you know this is smooth jazz uh, right now. You know, <laughs> James hit the music. <laughs> What's going on with you, man? Oh, it's been uh, it's been interesting. I uh, moved out here closer to you guys, uh, so hope to see you sometime down the road when it's uh, <laughs> when it's less crazy. I know James is locked up uh, like it's a zombie apocalypse, you know, 50 locks on the door. (laughs) (laughs) You can never be too cautious. You can never be too cautious, especially out here. Like I said, I see everything uh, happening as it is, and I'm just like, okay, well, maybe I should stay home as well. (laughs) Yeah, man, I I've been um 
just this this whole weekend my twitter's been going like crazy between like i guess just everything i'm sending out is like just on fire right now i made my return to uh column writing uh if you guys want to check yeah. that out um on voice of wrestling.com my first ever column there was cm punk best mm-hmm. in the world comes home and i guess there's no better place to begin than cm punk returns uh, to professional wrestling as he said and shows up in AEW. we all knew this was uh on on tap uh we saw plenty of people that were uh, that were trying to hate leading up to it that were coming up with all types of cockamamie scenarios what if he doesn't show up wouldn't it be great if you know such and such came out to the music and trolled everybody for heat uh wouldn't just any like type of like wouldn't hey how about this worst case scenario that would basically kill the um goodwill of the promotion let's i want to see that just for laughs and shit so like there was a lot of those people i think you know are about to get packed up uh with all this cm punk shit punk came out uh it was quite frankly very incredible um and i just like i love the whole presentation of it we can we'll get like deeper into the weeds on that but what'd you guys think about uh the return uh go ahead tom as far as the return is concerned i think that the return for me signified the nail in the coffin uh as far as differentiating uh, not differentiating and what, what am i talking about but being able to separate and tell the difference between WWE and W uh, East, uh, excuse me, rather AEW. Vincent Mann has said this for over thirty years. He's sports entertainment. Mm. WWE was wrestling. TNA tried to be sports entertainment light, and WWE, AEW feels like wrestling. AEW is one of the first companies in the last twenty years, uh, mainstream companies in America, to come out and say, "Hey, guys, listen." This is what we do. This is who we are. This is where we're going to be. We are not going to do the fart jokes and poop jokes and the sports entertainment. We're going to be wrestling. We're going to focus on wrestling. And CNC and Punk return years after the pipe bomb, years after people chanting CM Punk, years after within TNA as well, people chanting, this is what we want. People within WWE hijacking, or not necessarily people, but rather the crowd uh, hijacking, if we want to say that, the product that was being presented. Everything that Nick Khan said and WWE has done in the last three months, this year and the last year, with the layoffs, the reconstructuring uh, internally with NXT, etc., CM Punk's debut in AEW reemergence within professional wrestling and recommitment for me signified the stake or not again not the stake but um just that split between sports entertainment and pro wrestling i feel as though it is unfair to compare the two right now and him coming back was just a big moment uh for fans and for people who really love professional wrestling, not sports entertainment, but professional wrestling. And that's what it represented to me. And that's what it means to me. And it's two entirely different companies at this point. James? Well said. Um, yeah. For me, I think Rich 
had a conversation with me maybe like six months ago um, in regards to CM Punk. And he said something along the lines of relaying something someone else said, or, or I can't remember exactly, but AEW can't fully be AEW until they get CM Punk in a way. Because um, mm-hmm. he's more or less the alpha to the Omega of, let's say Kenny Omega, of he kickstarted and sparked the life of something in um, pro wrestling. In, in, in WWE um, with the Summer of Punk and the Pipe Bomb and the title run and you know all the stuff he did until he re- he left in 2014 he sparked something that was a major buoy to at the time was a, a, you know a kind of lesser known um, world outside of WWE in the wrestling realm right um to be quite honest with you, if not for um, three people in particular, but one person at the in front of those three people, um, that being John Cena, The Rock, and specifically CM Punk and the Pipe Bomb and the Summer of Punk, we do not start One Nation Radio. Um, he is, at one point, he was my favorite wrestler. Um, he's one of like maybe 15 people that in my entire life have ever been my favorite wrestler at any point. Um, 15 or 16, something like that. So, um, I guess that's saying that I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, you can say I'm fickle or whatever. I'm just pointing out that like at different points, different movements, different t- spaces in time, like I can point to certain people and say, this person was my favorite wrestler going right now to where like, if there's anybody I want to see most or tune in next week to go see, it's that person. Um, so from going from there for him to uh come out um for that crowd to go off the way it did for all the hype for all of the quite frankly the leakage the the, the smart leaking that they did um to let people know a month ahead of time to to do everything to you know to put a fourth you know showing the market up and immediately sells out because people know um, what what they're what they expect, and for them to follow through, and them to do something be- quite frankly better than what most of our imaginations had for a CM Punk comes AEW type of moment. It was huge. The reaction was huge. The crowd was incredible. Um, it was a special moment. You had you had people crying. You had people just like losing their minds. Like it's the, like it was like Christmas Day kids. Um, I, I just thought it was one of the best moments in wrestling, I've, in pro wrestling, in American pro wrestling I've ever seen. It's the closest thing you get to, like, seeing just waves of fans crying in, uh, in uh, like, New Japan and, and King's Road matches, classes and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and he co- and he comes down, he takes in that ovation, and, we, and you hear about, you know, the adrenaline rush and the thrill of the crowd that... You know, all these people that are so passionate and like the passion is what led AEW to where it is now and where it's going to go um, in the future always is um, what what these guys, what these people are willing to go through to put their bodies through to get the crowd, to get that that feeling Um, and, you know, what they do to and how we reciprocate with that noise. And for all the stuff CM Punk has gone through, through a trial, through um, you know, possible, you know, not even saying he handled this perfectly because, like, that scene, the Cole Cabana stuff is his fault. Um, 
or whatever the fallout was on that. That's it's mostly on him um, to go through all of that, all those years of being gone of someone uh, we've we've seen, you know, say I'm done. I'm done with wrestling. I'm done with wrestling in WWE and try the things and fail and come back to it. And the satisfaction I get out of John Moxley, you know, more or less being a, a, um, a I don't want to say a referendum, but more or less showing you like, I can't speak for the entire company of WWE, but I was right as far as me, as far as like, I have this passion. I feel like I should be doing this. I'm going to go out there and prove proof of concept is what I was looking for. Words I was struggling to find proof of concept because I believe that's actually what uh, John Moxley said. Have that proof of concept to build what he's built over the last two years, and then think of this being like Punk when it's the entire whole thing, the biggest thing from the beginning to now, from 2014 to now, to him to come out there and see that like after all the all that time, after all of the stuff that's happened. After the, some of the failures, some of the mishandlings of things, for people to come out and give him that kind of ovation in his town, where you know you think about it, how it comes full circle, where like that crowd is electric for him when he comes out at Money in the Bank 2011, and then this crowd is even another level than that. After all this time for that to happen, CM Punk deafening uh, chance, and then they come out right immediately and bring him out. Um, and he receives that ovation. After being so gone for so long, he guaranteed there had to be some uh, reservations of, will you know how much would they care, whatever else. Obviously, he knows because they, he saw the building. But like to get that ovation, him take it in, and him go down to his knees, and he comes up and he's in tears, and it was just it was just an awesome moment. And he you know he's uh, hugging a fan, and then he stage dives and everything, and uh, you know. It, it was just an amazing moment. And then the promo was somehow even better than that. And I was just like, this is, I don't know how somebody that has not watched wrestling or was a fan or whatever. Like, I don't know how you don't see that, have an idea of how, what, what, what's going on or ha- have at a point, see that and not just like have a big bright smile. Like, yo, this, this is something special. Um, what, what does it mean? We'll see eventually, but like that was special. CM Punk was always our guy. And when I say our, I mean like your hardcore wrestling fans. Um, he, it, when he popped up, it was like the Messiah coming back to the movement. Um, and, you know, I wrote in the column that it also was like, um, you know, uh, with the pipe bomb, this is like the natural road where we hoped everything would go to. And it's like this land has has popped up that is written on his prophecy essentially and then he he returns and he's this hero um as james mentioned like he has an essential role why this podcast even exists um i don't know if i want to get into covering wrestling like if not for cm punk um he was you know someone that like in like looking back on his WWE career wrote also on my column was like John Cena versus the rock was getting booked twice, no matter what. And it felt like CM Punk was our guy to make them live in the moment. And also um, like, like we like his, the thing that became his story was like, we want to not necessarily fuck up the plans for WWE, but it's like, listen, what a, like this guy's doing everything that you say that you want someone to do 
like to become a star and be at that top level. But he's being denied for whatever reason. And, you know, they everyone, you know, they chose, you know, their paths and everything like that. But like CM Punk was like. like He he was the reason to watch WWE for a lot of that time, Uh, no matter whether it was a promo uh, while he was injured, like carrying the company, like cutting promos each week, Uh, you know, just tons of great matches on Raw's, uh, the pay-per-views and otherwise. And while kind of being, you know, never quite positioned as that number one guy and his story became like, yo, we want to see him actually be number one. And it almost drove him insane. Um, And I'm glad he's back. Um, He's got tons of opponents. He's got tons of fans everywhere happy. And I think that he's got a lot to prove. Uh, not only to himself, but he's going to uh, prove he's got a lot of doubters. Like they're, they're uh, also a large, you know, group of people that don't like CM Punk, and I think he's going to shut them up, quite frankly. And I can't wait for it to all get started. Like that night was absolutely legendary. Like in, like when he came out, um, I was just kind of watching at first, right? Just in awe, just, and then he does a stage dive and I let out a huge fuck. Yeah. And then like in the promo, like I start crying, just like, I, I was just so happy to, to, to see him like, and because he, like, I remember when he quit, um, WWE before it was just like, he was the anchor. And then luckily Daniel Bryan was there too. And, and we all loved him as well or whatever. But now it's like, holy shit, like all fresh new opponents, all fresh new landscape. He could be number one. Like, you know, like nothing's out, out of the, you know, out of reach. We saw them do great business Friday night with it. Great business for the United Center. Um, you got to think their pay-per-view record is going to be set um, when, when it comes to that. And, I think he's uh <laughs> like it's a bad day for for those that have blamed uh the the like <laughs> have blamed the fans for how the fans have reacted to WWE and said like CM Punk's like this master manipulator of all these people and all that it's like yo I like like Tom said like it's a delineation going to be going on and like the further that I think each side uh, digs in their heels and this goes from the new philosophy in NXT, which is really the old philosophy, which is really what they all always want to do. Because think about it. WWE already has great athletes. Like (laughs) they already have tall people. They already have like fit women and stuff like that. And then AW is like further boxing themselves into a, we are going to be pro wrestling like CM Punk, Brian Danielson, and then possibly it looks like Adam Cole may be on the way in. So it's like there's going to be matches, there's going to be promos, there's going to be stories, and there's going to be a crowd that's ready to receive them and make it viable. Whether, you know, and it doesn't even have to challenge for the quote-unquote number one spot because they're going to exist in, like, different, like, like you're going to see, like, two different <laughs> reactions. And I think you did this weekend uh, between Friday and Saturday. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's interesting to see that I think of three people. I think of, uh, well, four people, really. John Moxley, Tony Schiavone, CM Punk, and uh, Brian Danielson. All of them in AEW as of right now or potentially going to AEW with, in Danielson's case. But WCW and WWE, 
uh, for Danielson, Moxley, and Punk killed the love of the business for these guys. And it was another company, in this case AEW, bringing that love back of pro wrestling. Tony Schiavone, CM Punk, if you would have talked to them prior to coming to AEW, they sound completely jaded. They were done with the wrestling business. They didn't want anything to do with it. And slowly, obviously, with Conrad's podcast, Tony realized that there were a lot of people who still cared about him, who cared about his work, who wanted to see him back. And he got that WCW taste out of his mouth. And the same thing with CM Punk. Over the last two years, he saw the proof of concept with AEW. He realized that this wasn't uh, Jacksonville Dixie, as Randy Orton called him. This wasn't a guy who was trying to run WWE light. He was really about professional wrestling. He was serious. He is serious. And that renewed his interest. And so I think it's a lot of really good things going on right now. I think it's really interesting that uh, the sports entertainment, and of course, the sports entertainment company will kill your interest in pro wrestling because they don't do pro wrestling. And uh, like I said, I think we'll wind up talking about that a little bit more uh, when we start talking about SummerSlam and some of the events that happened during the weekend. But uh, like I said, the CM Punk return for me, for me personally, really drove home the fact that there's pro wrestling and there's sports entertainment. As silly as it sounds, as much as I snickered and laughed at it for the last 30 years, it's true. That's where we are right now. I think I read some earlier. It was like it's interesting that he's come back as like the uh, network era is kind of like collapsed. Um, so, so to say, like you know, like the whole WWE network kind of lasted like seven years, and Punk missed all of that, and then he's back in the company. But it's like a paper as they moved over like, to Pe- Peacock. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. But and that um, was one of the main things that he was talking about when the network errors came about payouts how are we going to get paid yeah exactly and uh wwe never really had an answer for him and that contributed in part i don't know uh to what part but that contributed to him leaving as well where it's like okay well we're doing these network shows what's my cut and they're like oh well you know it's like okay yeah man um i i bet like i haven't listened to it in a while um but I think I'm at some point like this week, I'm going to listen to his interview with Colt Cabana just to see like everything, you know, how it kind of played out. People say, let it play out. Right. Um, but I, I got a feeling it's going to just sound like the grandfather of all the, your, your random talk is Jericho interviews that, you know, people have blasted this thing on. And it's going to sound like, it's like people have been telling us for years and years and years. And then, you know, here we are. Um, you know, Jericho's hiding backstage just waiting for his chance to ask uh, Punk to come on his podcast. <laughs> There's no way in fuck CM Punk is going to go on there. <laughs> no, he's he's not doing it. The like, first time Jericho tried, hey, man, what's going on? You know, just it's like, no, fuck off. That's what uh, CM Punk was pretty much the first time. But I'm, I'm wondering if Jericho can try and work an angle or if Tony Khan has to come in and say, Hey man, now that we're all one company, it would kind of be cool to go on Jericho's spot. I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see if CM Punk gets on the radio uh, with with uh, Chris Jericho. What do you guys want to see Punk face? 
Oh God! We, got our, we already got Darby Allen like lined up. I'm sure that's going to be incredible. And just you know, I'll add that to my Darby file. Uh-huh. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, as far as who he faces, I do not. And here's one of the things that I've been, you know, kind of uh, a stickler about for, I guess, the last 10 years or so. I am not interested in seeing people verse or fight or wrestle, rather, the same people that they did in other companies. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in Punk and Cody Rhodes, Punk and Moxley, Punk and Jericho. We've done all that. We can go to the network, two ninety nine or whatever the fuck the price is right now, and go watch that. <laughs> but I want to see Darby Allen. I want to see Jungle Boy. I want to see just this whole talent. Uh, he said he wants to work with them. I want to see it. I want to see a new chapter. Uh, obviously, Kenny Omega, the Forbidden Door is open. Kenta, we have to see. Kenta and Punk. We have to see Punk and Omega. We have to see Punk and Darby Allen, which we're going to see it uh, in September and all out. And so there's just so many matches. Uh, Punk has stated in interviews and he stated in his promo and he just comes off as the guy who doesn't seem as though he's interested in treading water or doing what he's done before. He wants to uh, refine his love in pro wrestling and the only way to do that is by venturing out having new opponents new matches different stipulations and really proving himself he has to prove himself to the roster he has to prove himself to the fans because as much as some people don't want to talk about it this guy towards the end of his wwe run wasn't pulling in five-star matches he was phoning it in he was hurt he was doing what he could do it's been seven years He's done some run-ins on indies and things like that, and you know, masked or whatever. But now he's wrestling full matches, and he's wrestling guys that are in their prime. Jungle Boy, MJF, Darby Allen. These guys are not 40, 50 years old thinking about hanging it up. These guys are ready. They're here. They are not injured. CM Punk has to deliver, and I think he wants to. He's excited. I'm excited. It's all in. I'm all in. I'm gonna break your rule. I I want to see him and Brian get that big match that they. Oh yeah, of course. Got. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, for me, um, first one the ma- the matches that I want to see them or programs I want to see him the most with. Um, number one, Moxley. Um, and then in some other form of fashion, Omega, uh, Malachi Black, uh, Danielson, of course. Um. Hangman once hang Hangman once Hangman becomes champion, um, or at some point like I'm not saying that should be a championship program. Like maybe it's after Hangman's champion and in like a year and a half now Hangman's champion he's already not champion again. Like once he's been elevated to main event status, I want to see him and Punk uh, go. Uh, Pac, um, obviously the uh, obviously uh, uh, the rest of Death Triangle. Um, there's a, there's a lot of stuff for him to do. There's years worth of stuff for him to do. Um, MJF. Oh my God. I forgot MJF. MJF. Like that's going to be, um, that's going to be one of the, uh, more important, uh, things that punk needs to get done is, uh, like the interaction and elevation and where MJF comes at the back end of a CM punk feud after they do it. 
Um, so yeah, there's there's years worth of stuff, years worth of stuff. Um, as far as um, my question is this: like, given the lay of the land and seeing how a lot of the uh, established uh, upper card veterans have came in and have picked a young ward, much like Batman and, and Robin, with uh, Jungle Boy uh, being the Robin to uh, at least for now to um, Christian. You have Sting and Darby. Who would y'all like to see as somebody on the card, someone in AEW that you would like to almost take up like an apprenticeship or a under or be the understudy for um, CM Punk? Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm pulling up the, the roster page now just so I don't forget anybody. I just thought about but, it, so uh, I don't have no, I don't have an actual choice for this either. It just came to mind though. Yeah, and when you say understudy, can you uh, define that just a little more? Um, basically, okay, so we kind of have an AEW, like an under 30 class of, of yeah. wrestlers that are like somewhere, they're they're not main eventers, uh, let's say mid-card and up. So there's like, there's Jungle Boy, there's uh, MJF, when, MJF did his understudy thing and got done with it real quick with Cody. Um, <laughs> uh, Darby Sting. Uh, mm-hmm. Jungle Boy and Christian it is uh, I guess you could say kind of like um, uh, Lee Johnson and um, Cody as well um, with gotcha. the Nightmare Fatimer thing or or you could say Dustin and, and actually it's more Dustin than uh, than Cody for, for Lee Johnson like is there anybody that you think um, he should mm-hmm. if they were to actually get into this along the way I'm not saying all immediately but like maybe Correct. you know yeah. possible tag hey. partner in like a, in like you know Two years from now, that sort of thing, maybe. Or, or do you? Or is that person on, even on the scene yet? Give him top flight. Like I'm looking at it, like mm. between Dante Martin and whenever his brother comes back. Yeah, Don, I I definitely agree. Off from the Midwest. I mean, we're off from the Midwest. Yeah, they all like deep, deep dish pizza. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, you know, when it comes to CM Punk, I think that's right now, as you said, James. As of right now, he should definitely be alone. He's a island to himself. You know, he's a special attraction. Let him do that. Uh, as time comes along, uh, or rather, as time moves forward, uh, yeah, he should definitely give his rub to uh, someone like a Dante Martin. I would love to see that. The guy, uh, Dante, has all the skills in the world. His brother, uh, when they're together, great tag team. Uh, so getting the cosign of someone like CM Punk for. Uh, trios match uh, for a pay-per-view fighter fest or a special dynamite or rampage or whatever it may be i think that would be great uh, i think that even just uh, you don't even need a long build-up or anything you just need that one backstage promo of saying hey listen i'm the best in the world but i think you guys are the best tag team in the world go out there and do what i think you can do i know you know Whoever the fuck, whoever, you know, the claimed if, if they get back on TV or whomever is uh, out there and they have so and so with them. Don't worry. I'm going to be in your corner. Make sure everything goes right. And you go from there. So I think that the cosign is ready. I think the talent is ready for the cosign. Uh, it's going to be peanut butter and jelly when it happens. So I'm looking forward to it as far as who that person is. As of right now, it's not obvious to me, and that's kind of great because a lot of the undercard talent doesn't need CM Punk to co-sign them. Dante Martin doesn't need that co-sign. Uh, Jungle Boy doesn't need that co-sign. MJF, Darby Allen, 
uh, varsity blondes. Uh, we can even go with the wingmen. We can go with anyone that AEW is developing right now or that's in the undercard. And Tony Khan has done such a good job that if CM Punk co-signs, great, fantastic, but they don't need it. So it would be very interesting to see uh, who he starts gravitating towards uh, in his tenure. I do want to see him, um, you know, have have a match one week with Frankie Kazarian just to see, you know, like, hey, Punk, you know, you you, you want to work? Like, <laughs> we going to oh, go yeah. in there and work hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Frankie Kazarian will treat that like a WrestleMania man event. Even, <laughs> if punk, even if Punk is like, hey, man, got to soften up, brother. <laughs> He tries to pull a Hulk Hogan and Frankie Kazarian's like, oh, hell no, man. We, this is WrestleMania for me. We, we're going all okay. <laughs> But, yeah, I, I, I think that's really it. We should, we should in the interest of time, uh, we jump to SummerSlam um, and all that. Like, man, good God. Mm. This show, so up and down, so just like roll your eyes at Lots of things. I blame it on James. <laughs> what did James do? Pardon? <laughs> what did James do? You watched it, man. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm, I'm the kiss of death for for wrestling because that's not the, that's not really the problem for like Stardom or AEW or New Japan when I watch it or NXT. Oh, Vince knew you were watching. He said, "All right, let me uh, do how James likes it." <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the card, man. Yeah, just overall, it was just oh man, it 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 really illustrated that they it, it's like the movie life. They just can't get right. <laughs> they don't know what the fuck they're doing, or more more specifically, like Vince doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Uh, it's it was all over the place. Like if not for if not for Edge and Roman Reigns and John Cena and um. It, it would just be a mess. Or, and also Seth Rollins. Like, if not for, like, this, the last third of both of their matches, this this would have been a worse show of the year contender. As far it as, like, the, the twists and turns and it's, like, being failure and being waste of time and just stupid stuff on, on a card, especially on a card that big with that kind of attendance just to, like, gut punch people left and right and just leave people sitting there, with, sitting on their hands for almost a damn hour. It's just amazing. 4.86 rating on cage match for the total card. That has to be the lowest rated SummerSlam ever. That is like like flirting with the worst SummerSlam ever. Like I would have to like look at additional events. And just to make sure for those that are may not uh that aren't familiar with Cage High, 4.8 out of 10. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, it's um it's a bad show. Any way you slice it, like I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a bad show. I would say it is a decent show. And then, like, I, I, I think that the last, I think the last two big matches, like, brought it to, res- brought it to, from, like, get the fuck out of here to respect some bit of respectability. So I wouldn't outright write it off. But if you were, I, I feel your pain. I just objectively, I just trying to be objective. I just can't, you know, get to furious about what they did to Becky Lynch and, and, and Bianca, because that's a fucking disaster. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess we can take it right from the top and we'll go down. Roman Reigns and John Cena. Uh, Roman Reigns defends the Universal title, uh, defends successfully against John Cena. Of course, uh, Roman Reigns put his <laughs> career on the line in like the, the 23rd hour and uh, disappeared from the news cycle probably five minutes later when CM Punk came out. So I'm not aware of uh, how many people actually knew his career was on the line at that point. But uh, for me, this match was like, a worse version of their last match. Like it felt like all the same, like sto- uh, like like the four big kickouts and then I, I Reigns gets them out better. of here. I thought this was way better than their match. Like that that first match was like all the same stuff except like the first I've cried the first third of the match. Like John Cena was running out the ring and goofing off with the crowd instead of just actually like focusing on the uh the the task at hand if you will um so from uh, from that perspective for what i remember of it i'd like this match a lot more i also think that the uh the closing stretch of this match is way better than the closing stretch of the last match um but they but they do have similarities i i do agree like they're they've had two matches in in the first like third or half of both of them they have decided to either wrestle at a subpar boring slow pace or just like goof around so i i agree on that part like neither one of these are classics but i will i remember i enjoyed this match a lot more than i remember enjoying that that no mercy match yeah this match kind of reminded me of rock and cena too where Mm. at some point the obviously it's a big match obviously it's a big fight feel uh, but at some point in time during that match, you say, okay, guys, is this all you have to offer? Yeah. And then you realize, oh, yeah, this is all they have to offer. And I think that's where John Cena and Roman Reigns and just the big uh, WCW, excuse me, not WCW, what year is this? Uh, WWE style main event match uh, comes down to. And that's what they did. It worked for that crowd. Uh, is it an all-timer for me? No. Did it work in the moment? Yes. Uh, is it something I'm going to revisit for historical purposes? Perhaps. Uh, for entertainment purposes? No. Uh, so, I I don't know where I stand on that. I see that what they were trying to do. Uh, it looks as though they're trying to now do uh, Lesnar and Reigns again. Uh, they had a lot of matches. The only good match they had was at WrestleMania, I believe. I want to say uh, 31. Yep. I may be incorrect on that number. Yeah, You're right. So 31. 31. Yep. And uh, we'll see what a collecting his paycheck in the sports entertainment era Brock Lesnar is and Roman Reigns, you know, p- potentially working in Saudi Arabia to collect a check in 100 degree weather. Uh, we'll see what that match is going to be. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if Reigns actually goes to Saudi Arabia because, like, he was on that no Saudi Arabia list for a while. Um, I feel like this was set up for Saudi Arabia because it's right around the corner. They did the big commercial in the beginning. Um, I'm just here to tell you all that this Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match is the same dynamic it always was. Roman Reigns being booed out of the building while getting mauled by Brock Lesnar. I promise you, it will start feeling very familiar. Um, <laughs> except Heyman standing on the other side of the ring now. So there, there could be people interested in this. Don't count me among them. 
Uh, Brock Lesnar looks absolutely ridiculous uh, coming out here in these bootcut jeans with this uh, joint on top of his head with the, with the you know, whatever. But um, I don't know, man. Like, And those were Dave Matthews Band, Old Navy, 1920s New York construction worker bootcut <laughs> jeans. He looked absolutely ridiculous. But he can kick my ass, so you go ahead. Yeah, yeah Brock can wear what he wants. So. Yeah, he can do when you look like that, you can do whatever you want. Ponytail, you know, boot cut jeans, <laughs> hip, Prince heels. He had the heels with three inches. You can do whatever you want when you look like him. You baby go ahead, Brock. Face, baby face Brock Lesnar. Man, oh. it's come to this. Look, man, we've ne- we haven't had baby face Brock Lesnar since shit. When he was facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 31. So, like, when he said he goes on ESPN with Michelle Beadle and says, that, like, I've re-signed, and we were like, well, that means he, that he might keep the title. And he comes in there, and then that's the start of Suplex City. But uh, as far as, like, actually being a real, actually designed baby face off the rip, I mean, I don't know. Those matches have to be structured different. Like, he can't just come in just fucking molly Watt people with suplexes and standing around as a baby face like he has to like get some sympathy on him and Ro- you can do it with roman but like what happens after when it's someone that's not roman like how, like how seth rollins is getting heat on Brock Lesnar sounds fucking absurd and 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 that's kind of the problem there that roman reigns the moment he's paired with Brock Lesnar, people already boo him and they want to see him get his ass kicked. And that was kind of one of the great things about WrestleMania 31, which turned the crowd to favor Roman Reigns because he was in there getting his ass kicked. Yeah. And people said, okay, this guy's taking a beating. All right, man, come back. We, we want to see it. All right, yeah, you, you know, you're part of the Shield. You did everything before. Okay, we're rallying for you. Uh, but now, after he's been doing community theater for the last few months with his, you know, cousins and the, now Brock's coming back and he's ready to kick his ass. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, want to see that of, OK, Roman, we want to see you fight back. More people are like, OK, well, you know, hey, I don't want to see the detective mystery dinner theater anymore. Let's, you know, move on. And, you know, I think that Brock is uh it's weird the whole roman Reigns situation is weird i don't want to go off on conspiracy theories on the one nation radio uh but a lot of people think that this, this was up okay this is the place for it okay we're not getting vaxxed here on one nation radio we're airing out the vaccines uh we're doing we're doing everything here on one notion radio but uh, you know i think that this kind of goes into a bigger discussion of Vince allowed Triple H to have NXT and create NXT in his vision. And Vince always saw it as developmental NXT, or excuse me, rather Triple H saw it as a potential brand. And he wanted to use it to stomp out competition. How does this fit into Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns is a Triple H guy from FCW, from NXT. He pushed him up. Vince might have had some, um, you know, different takes on that for whatever it may have been. And that's why over the years we've seen these stop and start pushes. We've seen these coronations where we say, okay, well, this is his backlit moment. Okay, this is his Iron Sheik moment. Okay, this is his, you know, 
uh, Austin beating Shawn Michaels moment at WrestleMania 14. And that never really happened. These moments happened, but the crowd was never with it for a variety of reasons. And it mainly came down to the booking. A lot of this is self-sabotage, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. That's what Roman Reigns has to deal with. That's what a lot of the people on the WWE roster has to deal with. That's what NXT has to deal with. And a lot of people have been fired uh, because of this and obviously other reasons. Uh, But we'll see this arrested in the card, especially in a certain women's match. I'll let you guys continue. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, Brock and Roman feel the excitement (laughs) it's just it's weird and like now i just believe that like it's roman's going to win because like the hit like you know how they say in vegas the house wins like in wwe mr man's wwe the last like four or five years six years like the hill wins like it's not it's not about ever getting heat for a like gigantic big payoff it's always as a mean it's always a like even if there are victories here and there it's always a means to get back to heat um so and they're they're still um bringing brock into it just illuminates their lack of anyone that uh that's a baby face that can uh really challenge roman reigns because he's been yeah that op so um yeah um, WWE title match Bobby Lashley against Goldberg and boy this stunk uh, put this in a pack light it on fire uh, Goldberg for some reason they decided we wanted to see Goldberg selling um, today and um, his, his son Bobby Lashley beating a white child on global TV Never thought I'd see everyone cheer for that, but they did. Um, <laughs> they they did a ref stoppage uh, on this match, so apparently Goldberg couldn't even be pinned by Lashley. Uh, this was weak all the way around. Goldberg, um, when he was picking Le- uh, Lashley up, his legs were shaking like he was like Muhammad Ali. Like it was bad. Like he looked. Like there, I don't know what Goldberg offers at, at this point, except you know showing up on Raw and a, and a couple you know um, extra you know the quarters go up just a little bit. But when it comes to the matches, it's all it's been consistently bad for uh, like any time after WrestleMania 33. Like it's been that bad. He's pretty much just rolling out here and it's just except for the fiend like i love when he killed the fiend because it was fucking funny although another dumb decision that pissed a bunch of people off um but it's um it's unfortunate for bobby lashley felt bad for him brought lesnar backstage he couldn't get brock people didn't want to see lesnar and lashley i think that would have gone a little bit better that might have saved the show at this point we have to admit Lesnar clearly doesn't want to face Lashley. Clearly. This isn't a WWE call. Bobby Lashley has said that he wanted to face him. Brock Lesnar, for whatever reason, doesn't want to face Bobby Lashley. And I think that at the end of the day, what it comes down to is Brock wants to do his suplex city bullshit, and Lashley's going to actually wrestle him. And if Brock tries to do anything that Lashley doesn't want to do, Lashley will outpower him legit, and force him into a match that he doesn't want to be in. That is the match that people want to see. 
WWE keeps avoiding it for reasons, which I think just really comes down to Lesnar. As far as this match is concerned, Lesnar, as you mentioned, Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 33, that's how you do a Brock, or excuse me, rather, that's how you do a Bill Goldberg match in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. That's how you do it. Less than six minutes, get in and out, you hit all the big stuff, and you leave. This match was a little over seven minutes. They try to be cute. Oh, Les, or excuse me, rather, uh, Goldberg has a knee injury, blah, 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 community theater. And that's the problem right there. These are two big, badass guys. Let them go in and do badass things for less than six minutes. Let them hit their big spots. Lashley should win clean. Why is Lashley only coming out the victor because Goldberg hurt his knee in 2021? Man. What does that do for Bobby Lashley? What does that do for WWE? What does that do for the future of the company? What does that do for uh, someone like a Matt Riddle or a Ricochet or whomever that may beat Bobby Lashley in the future? I can understand using Goldberg as an attraction, but it's okay for him to lose because come Monday or, you know, I'm not sure who's on what brand, but come Monday, Bobby Lashley has to go to work. Goldberg doesn't. It is okay to beat Goldberg. Trust me. If you decide to run a Goldberg match in December, no one's going to say, oh, hey, I don't want to see Goldberg versus Bobby Roode because he lost to Lashley. No, people still want to see Goldberg come in, do a two-minute squash, and that's what it is. This was a bad call. I I think they did this because they they probably felt like they've been beating Goldberg too much lately. So they beat him without pinning him? Mm Mm-hmm. But that's that's a worse beating. Exactly. The fuck? You exactly. didn't get pinned. You didn't pin. You didn't get your your uh, your your shoulders pinned to the mat for three seconds. Oh no, the ref had to stop it because you could not continue because the person beat you up so bad. What? That's fucking stupid. Yeah, we we saw how over that got between uh what Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman and Hell in a Cell. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> Seth Rollins and, and yeah, the Seth fiend. Rollins and the Fiend. We saw that as well, that, and that was back to back years. Yeah, that was back to back. What was yeah. that? 2018 and 2019. 18 and 19. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, both main events. Hell in a Cell. We saw how over that got. Both of the, uh, all four of those men and the crowd reaction. Why do this? Brock Lesnar, or excuse me, rather again, uh, Bill Goldberg. He can take an L, and it's going to be okay. It's not going to affect his merchandise, his drawing ability, or anything else. Because if for some reason you want to build him back up, there's enough Dolph Ziggler's and Robert Roods and uh, you know whomever on the roster, carrying cross on the roster that he can run through before building him up to face John Cena or whomever you want to have him face come Survivor Series. Yeah, and he should definitely run through carrying cross about five times. Yeah, you know, but then again, like you said, this is a sports entertainment company promotion, not a not a pro wrestling promotion. So they they, yep. they they thought this was doing something. Um, yeah, like I don't know who told them that they should have Goldberg in 2021 
go, what was it, seven minutes? Yeah, it's like a little over seven minutes. Mm-hmm. That man should be wrestling. That man should be wrestling matches under uh under Super Hazuki's rules. <laughs> like, like can't be fat. <laughs> must must have a six pack where it is useless. And like instead of a ten minute time limit, it should be five. He should. There should be no. There should be no point to where if, the, if they were we were in Japan, we would get a five minute call during the Goldberg match for who for what. I thought you were going to say under the Hogan Beach Shop rules, no do rags, no baggy pants. <laughs> that that's just a dress code to keep black people. I don't like that's not some Hogan. That's not some whole Hogan specific thing. That's like that's everywhere. Yeah. So um, we had Edge and Seth Rollins. Um, so Edge comes out. The brood stuff popped. I liked it. Got a question? Yeah. Was was the was the brood music a top five moment of SummerSlam this year? Yes. Yeah. Says a lot. That's why I'm getting at. But um, yeah, Edge and Seth Rollins better than I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be like a three and a quarter, three star deal. For me, it's like kind of knocking on the door. Four stars, not that much, not that, uh, not quite. Maybe three point seven five. That's where I'm at. Three, three, um, three. And um, it was very slow to begin with, yes, and we were calling why what they were doing because um, like Edge, they like to make Edge go long. Played the back injury thing into it a little bit, laid around. And then at the end of the match, it got better. Like they picked it up uh, a little bit after the Falcon Arrow. A typical LOL. Seth Rollins match. Yeah. And um, Edge ended up getting the win. Um, not something I would have done, but I guess when you're paying Edge $3 million, <laughs> got to get him a win somewhere. Yeah, Seth Rollins usually goes long. Edge usually goes long. Uh, this is the Triple H match of SummerSlam 2021. Uh, this was the second longest match on the card, going over 20 minutes. Um, it was what it was. It was a lot of things that WWE fans wanted to see. Um, it wasn't my cup of tea. I really enjoyed the brood entrance. It was the music always bumped. The entrance through the fire was pretty good. I wish he would have kept that. Uh, throughout just going to the ring and then really selling it as hey this he's tapping into something that he was 20 years ago he had to go back he had to talk to gang grill whatever the fuck uh, <laughs> but then of course as he gets to the middle of the ring he has to do his pyro and gimmick and uh, music and it got lame for me for me uh, a lot of people loved it but for me I said ah, let's just keep the brood thing going same um it was what it was. Am I going to watch this a year from now? No. Am I going to remember this five years from now? No. Uh, I'm probably the worst person to talk about this match because I'm not an Edge fan. I never wanted to see Edge came back, come back. When he retired, I said, good. I wasn't crying or cheering, let's go, Edge, or anything. I said, good, leave. No, stop your speech and leave. Oh, but I want to thank the fit. No, leave. I don't want to see you. And, God uh, damn! What did Edge do to so, you? <laughs> well, the, the, 
he bored me. That's what he did to me. So uh, I, I want to take the fence. No, no gratitude. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, no gratitude. Don't say thank you. Leave. You leaving is the biggest thank you you can give everyone. Uh, but again, I recognize that Edge isn't for me. He's for other people, and that's fine. Uh, Seth Rollins, I've been very uh, low on uh, for a very long time. How long? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> when did the Triple H Seth Rollins match happen at WrestleMania? Was that 2017. 2017. All right. So let's go 2016, perhaps. Ah, so when he came back off of tearing his ACL. Yes. So, okay. So, Tom, I don't know how often you listen to our show. We have have been saying for a Mm -hmm. long time that there's a line of delineation in Seth Rollins' career, and it's when he tore his ACL and he came back and he started doing less. And Mm -hmm. then, then then he was, you know, he was trying to do the redemption arc thing, and ultimately it never worked until they ended up uh, putting him and uh, Ambrose back together in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think at this point now we're at three stages of his career now. Um, we are at the shield through the beginning when he's a champion, he tears ACL in 2015 yep. and he comes back 2016. And then from 2016 until, uh, let's say, let's say the Ambrose feud okay. in 2018 or, or that's, or no, let's do this. The. WrestleMania 34. After the gauntlet. After the gauntlet. Like, so you have the gauntlet Seth and the babyface run, and then you have. So, actually, no. So, it is actually really the shield run, then he tears ACL. That's another chapter. So, from. And then the the chapter that we are at now is like once he got in the hell on the cell with the fiend. That's actually Mm. really what it is. Like, because. While that Ambrose thing sucked and and everything, and he Mossy leaves and he says all the stuff and and hurts his goodwill by talking about food off the table and all that other nonsense. That worst match of the year winner or contender or whatever you want to call it for with the, with the fiend or whatever else, where they having fucking ref stops and hell on cell is like the clear line where it's like this is a new whole new brand new bag and like it's hard to look at him ever the same, but in the ring, like he was already not the, not one of the best, one of the elite workers in the world. He's one of the best workers in the world, as opposed to like flat out elite. Like you say off your top of your head, like you can't, you know, over a half decade ago, like you can't say there are 20 guys better than him. You can absolutely say that, uh, after 2000, after he came back. And then like, now it's like, shit, is he top? Is he a top eight worker in stardom? I, I think my, my money would, is I don't even think he's a top ten worker in stardom. Yeah, I think for me, what it really came down to for Seth Rollins is that he didn't adapt to his injury. And what I mean by that is, you look at the match with Wrestle at WrestleMania 33 against Triple H, and he hurts his knee. His he has a hurt knee. So you would think that a guy that has a you know, a hurt knee or working on that injury or whatever it may be would start doing more form strikes or clipping at the knee at the other guy or whatever it may be. But he wrestles the same match. And for me, when it comes to match quality for Seth Rollins, that was the problem where the moment the bell rang, 
any character work automatically went out the window and anything relating to selling, uh, even if it was, hey, you're selling this knee injury that you've been out for eight months or whatever the hell, Triple H took a sledgehammer to your knee, you've been on crutches for the last two weeks. He's still doing Phoenix splashes and diving over the top rope and even while he's holding his knee. And so when you incorporate that and the bad promos and the booking, just a lot of stuff that didn't favor him. And then, like you said, leading all the way up to uh, The Fiend. And then, of course, Seth didn't help himself on Twitter uh, when he's being an e-drone and standing for the Fed. Uh, You factor all that in and it's just a really bad look. But for me, it really came down to uh, I I like guys that when they're injured in a match, they start working differently. And when I see a guy who's trying to get sympathy for his knee, hey, guys, my knee's hurt and the crowd's trying to rally behind him. Come on, Seth. Yeah, you can do it. But he's diving over the top rope anyways as if he didn't hurt his knee. You might as well just stop selling the knee at that point. There's no reason for that story because there's no meat to it. Uh, so it was just a lot of things like that that started getting me off the Seth wagon. My my problem wasn't that he would just stop selling. It was that how he chose, how he picked and chose when and where to sell. Like he would do, mm-hmm. he would dive, then grab his knee, and then yeah. he, then he then he jump and land, and then and then do and then start running, and then do another dive, and then grab his knee, and it was like. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's not how knees work, bro. Like, <laughs> it'd be one thing if he was like falling off. If he kept doing dives or like dives, like let me phrase when I say dives, I mean like dives where he's jumping over the or doing uh, sit running uh, topes through the ropes or uh, f- dives over the top rope or whatever else. Like, it's one thing that like you got a bad knee, so like you let gravity handling you fall off the top rope or whatever. That's one thing. He is literally like running, jumping, diving, and then grabbed his knee, and then like ninety seconds or less than ninety seconds later, he's doing the same thing again. It's like yes. that is not how jo- that's not how joints work. Exactly. It's, it's not. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. And the thing, another part that hurt, bothered me, and I was saying is like while watching that WrestleMania 33 match, is like he is the architect, and he's such he's this genius, whatever else. But like he never, you you know how it is. You watch a match where someone's selling or so or two people are selling and like they have to go down the list of all the things they have in their tool bag because this club can I can't I can't use this club no more. It'll hurt too much. Exactly. Or yes. I have to get super desperate to ever ever want to go to that club because it'll hurt so much, right? Like you have bruised ribs, you hit a frog splash, you, you can't cut you can't make the cover because your ribs hurt too much and you get a, a big near fall out of it. Like stuff simple like that. Like that level of desperation. Like he never he never went through all that stuff of like, all right, well, I can't, I have a bad right arm, so I can't throw punch right arm, so I got to start throwing punch with my left arm or stuff like that. Like, it was always just, oh, he's he's hurt again. Like, it's a trick knee. Exactly, it's like, that's kind of, yeah. that's that's just, it was always just grading on me. But Yeah, and I think, yeah, and I think, again, if you're, all, man. no, exactly, he did. And I think that if you're going to tell that story, tell it, see it through, uh, smarten up to it. Uh, but again, Seth Rollins is the architect. That's a little Richard. So I don't like Seth Rollins for stealing that name here. <laughs> yeah, but overall, um, Edge gets the win. Don't know where he's going from here, but um, but yeah. he needed that Taco win. Bell. And, and I and wow, and I I thought it was a I thought it was at the very end. Like I thought it ended up getting there. Like at the end, uh, like that. Like you said, like the that 
Falcon Arrow is where it took off. Like, like Seth Rollins match, like the last four years have all like been based around that, or three years. It's just like nothing really matters until the until the Falcon Arrow off top rope. Best match on the show. Yeah, easy, easily. Charlotte wins it back. She defeats <sighs> Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. Um, I saw a tweet that said Nikki Ash can begin her career long excursion on main event now. Um, Damn, mm-hmm. they ain't gonna happen. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching Raw right now. She's about to be the. She's about to be the uh, the women's tag team champions with uh, <laughs> Rhea in, in, in like a couple months. Watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was okay. Uh, I don't. I didn't think it was anything too special. Um, but Charlotte gets it back. It seems like they deducted those NXT reigns and then added them back uh, over the last month. <laughs> so. Uh, that that was this little few was designed to do that. Um, big booze for uh, Nikki Ash. Yep. What I was hearing is a little loud at our party, but um, yeah, um, it's back on Charlotte. Yep, it, it, it never excites you. It, it just happens. It's good, inevitable. Good match. Good match. Just good. Flatly good. Um, had some nice moments in. Um, once they cleared, like. It was like a starter match. Like once that pin eater that you know is a pin eater like clears the ring, like they got re out of there, and you were like, you already know what you already know what time it is. And sure enough, uh, time to tap out. Just tap out. Yeah, what's that? Uh, just taco. tap out. So GTO. So Nikki GTO. <laughs> just tap out. Nikki got got. Yeah, she got got. I mean, here's the thing. There's various ways to do the uh, superhero gimmick or to do the babyface underdog gimmick. Whatever she's doing right now isn't getting over because it's corny. Right. The first week, the first two weeks, hey, yeah, cool, okay, yeah, sure. But when you have the, oh, jeez, guys, you know, I'm out here trying. When that's the gimmick, people say, okay, well, I don't like Manny Pacquiao because he goes out and tries. I like him because he wins. I don't like Floyd Mayweather because he tries or Sweet Pea Whitaker or John Jones or George St. Pierre. Sure, everybody tries. Everyone. But there's winners and there's losers. (laughs) And if you're at the end of the day, if your gimmick is, oh, well, rolling your shoulders and saying, oh, shucks, and throwing your hands in your pockets and say, I'll get them next time, guys. That's not going to get you fans. That's going to be people saying, okay, you can't get the job done. Why the fuck are you in the world title scene then? Go, oh, shucks, and kick the dirt and put your hands in your pocket on main event, which it sounds as though, uh, as you said, she might do an excursion uh, to main (laughs) event. Uh, It's not over. Uh, I'm glad she was able to see her creative vision and her Husband is happy and everyone's living a dream, but there's living a dream and then there's making money. And from Vince McMahon's standpoint, this isn't really going to make him money. I'm glad her and her husband are living their dream and having fun and whatever the fuck the audience isn't having fun. And what's I'm starting to see happen and what we can hear on the screen or excuse me, not on the screen, but in the audio of the fans, they're turning on it. And even someone had a sign 
that said, not my superhero. And of course, what do the toxic people on social media do? They blast the fan. Oh, this guy's clearly a version. Oh, he clearly has nothing going on in his life. They attack the fan instead of realizing, guys, this person's not into the gimmick. This is a gimmick. This has failed unless there is something miraculous coming, and I will eat my hat if that is. But as of right now, this is not going to get her over. People are not laughing with her. They're laughing at her. This is going to get worse. Again, you put Nikki A.S.H. in a feud with Becky, you put her in, and we're going to get to that. You feel, you put her in a feud with Bianca, a feud with Asuka, or whomever it may be outside of Charlotte, outside of Ripley, who's pretty cold right now. It spells disaster. So, Couldn't this, say better myself. Yeah, I mean, this match was what it was. It was a predictable outcome. This is all about the moments. Charlotte's entire career is based on title wins and getting to the number 16. And now we're at number 12. Uh, I think uh, once they retcon the NXT titles or whatever it may be, uh, I believe we're at 12 now for her wins. And that's it. We don't know any of her reigns. No real big feuds. I mean, obviously, there were some good matches here and there, and there's people that we can uh, pick out through her career as great workers. Um, But she's winning and losing the title like it's hot potato, and it doesn't really mean anything. And she won it from somebody who was barely over in a match with another person who was pretty cold and barely over as well. So I don't know. Yeah, it's... um. Rough days in that uh, raw title scene, uh, looking like going forward. But uh, Drew McIntyre uh, beat Junior Mahal's ass. Don't pour Drew McIntyre. We um, constantly come on the show and say, if there's one guy that gives his all as a big match wrestler in WWE, it's fucking Drew McIntyre. And they gave him Junior Mahal in under five minutes on SummerSlam. That was a fucking choice. <laughs> <laughs> and also people weren't into it because they were shell-shocked uh, what happened before that. So, I mean, unless you guys have any McIntyre, Mahal, uh, you know, uh, poetic that you like to lay down, I'd like to get to the main event here. Yeah, there, there's, for as for me, and I'm sure uh, James might have a, a soliloquy or something on the Jenner Mahal and uh, Drew McIntyre match, but as far as me, it was a nothing match. It sucks. I'm ready for the main event. James. I got nothing. <laughs> so Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, we'll go ahead and run this back to last Friday. Had them in the ring for a contract signing. Blase blah, they're going to get to it. Then we start hearing over the last weekend that unforeseen circumstances have led to them being pulled from the house shows. Uh, immediately, my mind starts racing because... You know, Sasha's out here on the internet, you know, leaving trails, uh, as I'll say, uh, that she, you know, may not necessarily, you know, be in favor of the vaccine and things of that nature. Um, she is like uh, pulled from further shows, and we get into the week. Miraculously, um, there's a report that says Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks is on on Saturday. And 
you know, nothing's going to stop it, whatever. Then they're not on the show on Friday. I believe Bianca wrestled two matches on Friday, uh, beating uh, Carmella and uh, Zelina Zelina Vega. And um, then WWE, like, you know, has, has promoted this match. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I really like their WrestleMania match a lot. And I'm like, all right, let's let's get let's get the second one. Still promoting it. We get the SummerSlam, promoting it all throughout the pre-show, doing all the analysis. Um, we get to the match, and what one thing I'm noticing is once we're getting to the match is like, oh, why is Rick Boogs out here? Why is Shinsuke Nakamura out here? Neither of these gentlemen are booked tonight. And I'm like, well, based on what's left, maybe there's like um, they immediately go into the video package for Sasha and Bianca. I'm like, oh, something fishy's going on. And then this video package is extra long and it's extra emphasis on, you know, the historic nature and come on, all these awards they did for this and all that. And then I leaned over to but I'm like, uh, I think it was Jeremy. I was like, so if this is just this historic match and it's won all these things, I'm like, well, why is it not main eventing again? Like, <laughs> whatever. We won't go there. Um, they bring Bianca out first, I might add. So my ears are have further went in the air. <sighs> she does the longest entrance I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and then the ring announcer just announces Sasha Banks has not been cleared to compete. And replacing her is Carmella. And I'm like, are you serious? I go on a tirade on Twitter. Um, I think that, uh, we'll, and we'll remove this from what we'll talk about in just a second, the false advertising, and they knew it eight days ahead of time that Sasha wasn't going to be ready because they know something. They're not announcing it. And that's fine. They don't have to announce it. However, they can change the match. They can say Bianca's going to have a mystery opponent. They can say uh, a, a lot of things to protect the um like to protect Sasha to protect themselves to give integrity to what they book but no they'd rather just come out here and fuck you this is why I always say WWE doesn't care about you don't like you know tie your existence to them don't do anything like that because the blatantly false advertise and not give a fuck and all those people that flew out there uh looking for that match like 45,000 in the building uh, they didn't get it, and I <laughs> I thought it sucked. As far as like you know, this is promotional malpractice. This is a most disgusting promotional tactic nominee, I would think. Um, absolutely, this was, absolutely. This was just like, and, and you could see it happening on a broadcast, like that something fishy was up the whole time because they they usually like you know they try to keep these things rolling, but it was like everyone was looking around, kind of, and. They bring her, uh, Carmella out. Uh, Bianca's like, I'll fight you, whatever. And crowd is not with it. Then Becky Lynch's music hits. And you're like, what is Becky doing here? And then it's like, okay, Becky comes out. And then knocks Carmella out. And I'm like, okay, they're going to give us this, this match on no notice, no build, whatever. Then it's a heel turn, apparently. Um, for Becky Lynch, she pulls Bianca in 10 seconds into the match, punches her in the face, gives her the manhandle slam or the rock bottom, uh, if you prefer, and beats her in about 10 seconds. 
And I'm just like absolutely baffled at this point. Everyone in the arena is like, what has happened? Some people are popping simply because it's a title change. And it's like, what did they do to Bianca? Like, and this is why I was hesitant to say that she was absolutely made because you never know because shit like this is always around the corner. And they've, you know, this was request from Becky to turn heel. This is like taking Sasha out of the top spot, you know, whatever. Maybe she should listen to the, to the, to the scientists next time instead of the healing crystals or whatever. <laughs> but, um, I think that this is absolute, this is promotional malpractice. This is booking malpractice. This is <laughs> how to kill a baby face. Um, this is 10 times worse than Kofi Kingston because Kofi Kingston was kind of like a gold watch, uh, end of the career kind of, uh, you know, last shot at greatness kind of thing. Right. Beyond like Chris Daniels winning the ring of honor title, like a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. Bianca is in the, in the part of her career where it's like, all right, you're still kind of determining what she can be kind of. And, you know, with the women's wrestlers, sometimes their careers are shorter for whatever reason. They may want to start families. Uh, There's a lot of factors at play there, but I feel like Bianca's in a situation where you can't exactly play with her like this. This doesn't make her bigger. This doesn't make us more interested in her. This just makes her look like a fucking geek. um, With what they did to her. Like she's, looking around after the match is over and it's like hold on people are trying to blame it on like saying it's a rookie mistake and all this shit i thought this was the est the strongest the fastest the smartest the best like what are y'all doing here like <laughs> this i think was just a reflection of everything that is going on james you shared a stat with me i don't remember it but it was like a certain amount of time within the show this also i'm the saving show. it okay I'll throw it to you then. No, nah, let Tom let Tom, Tom get his shit in. Yeah, yeah let Tom, Tom get his spots in. Yep. Tom, let me tag you in. <laughs> okay, tagged in, man. I hope it's the NWA tag and not the Lucha tag you gave me. <laughs> but uh, it's a tag nonetheless. Uh, here's the thing. You know, again, we see a lot of people online saying, hey, let's give it time. And uh, <laughs> this is one, one part of the story. And again, I, I mentioned this earlier. There's pro wrestling fans and there's WWE fans. And there's people that are watching this who, despite the last 10 years, really believe in the company and they're sitting down and they're watching this and they wonder what's next. And then there's people like you and I and James that are sitting down here and saying, okay, this is it. Because we've watched the patterns. We've seen this with Ziggler. We've seen this with Daniel Bryan. We've seen this with Braun Strowman. The list goes on and on and on of people that are hot, that get over and then WWE cools them down, and it's usually a flashpoint that we can just point to and say, oh, that's when it happened. Mm-hmm. And I would love to sit here and say, hey, this is just part of the story. This isn't AEW. When Hangman lost his match against the Elite, when Hangman and the Dark Order lost their match against the Elite, the crowd would hijack. Yeah, in a great performance. Notice how the crowd did not hijack that show. Notice how the online reception wasn't, oh, AEW sucks. I'm coming after Tony Khan. No, because AEW established a good long rapport with the crowd and with storytelling that people say, hey, you know what? It wasn't the result I wanted, 
but I understand that this is part of the journey. This is part of the story and we're rolling with it. WWE is not the same thing. We saw what happened when Becky Lynch beat it, uh, beat Bianca Belair and the crowd booed. Not all, not everyone, obviously. The problem here is that there's so many other things that they could have done aside from what they did. And if for some reason Vince McMahon really wanted Becky Lynch to come in SummerSlam and win the title, this is an ultimate warrior versus the honky tonk man. Honky tonk man was yes. barely over. He wasn't really a great worker. Warrior was over. Warrior was being uh, positioned as the next guy after Hogan. Sure, he comes in, does his thing. Boom, bam, bing, bing, do some business, win the title. It's a, it's a SummerSlam moment. It's amazing. This wasn't that. There's so many things that they could have done, and the fact that they chose what they chose is unbelievable, especially after all the things that Bianca Belair, you know, first black woman, her and Sasha Banks, main of any night one of WrestleMania, the uh, rap festival, I can't remember what it was called, uh, some weeks ago. Rolling Loud. Where they, yeah, Rolling Loud, where they put her out there uh, at the Miami Gardens. Uh, and just so many other things that they've done with her. I mean, she had pictures with Make the Stallion. Uh, this girl was lifting Adam Cole. That was prior to her uh, WWE reign, obviously, uh, on network TV, uh, doing some news uh, show gimmick. Uh, she's been all around. Uh, she's a woman that you want to position as the future. And so doing what they did at SummerSlam, and it's not only just beating her, it's about Bianca Belair marking out for Becky Lynch, losing, and then all shucksing and rolling out the ring and saying, oh, hey, you know, and the commentators building up as, oh, hey, this is a rookie, as you said, Rich. Hey, this is a rookie. She made a rookie miss a rookie. She's the EST. She's the best. She beat Sasha at WrestleMania. Sasha is multi-time Raw women, uh, excuse me, Raw SmackDown and NXT champion. And as of right now, you know, a Hall of Famer. She's going to go into the WWE Hall of Fame. She's a big star outside of WWE proper. She's been in multiple commercials. She was in the Mandalorian. She was in the Hot Wing Challenge a uh, gimmick that's on YouTube. I can't remember what it's called, but it's uh, pretty popular with a lot of people. It, it's unfortunate. The, the entire thing is unfortunate because it's one of those things where you don't have to do it. You have 10 options on the table that's going to keep everybody over and keep everyone looking good and the whole nine yards and you choose option 11. It, it doesn't work. And just to, to pass on to James just real quick, this wasn't the first time that WWE false advertised someone. They did it with Tony Storm for Progress, where all the way up to the night of Progress, oh, hey, Tony Storm can't be here, even though she was in America for uh, Survivor Series. And they knew that. And WWE knew that. Everyone knew that. They didn't announce it into the you know, main event. Charlotte. Hey, Charlotte's not here tonight in Charlotte, North Carolina. You already knew that. She was in Mexico with Andrade for Triple Mania. Yep, just a week ago. And they did it here 
where they said, oh, well, Sasha Banks can't make it. Surprise, surprise. Instead of, guys, this is a billion-dollar company. Friday, you shoot the angle. If for some reason Sasha can't make it because she doesn't want to get vaccinated or whatever it may be, you say, hey, we're setting the deadline. Saturday at 9 a.m. East Coast time. Are you going to get vaccinated? Yes or no? No? Okay, great. Social media team, post out, hey, Bianca, uh, Sasha Banks can't make it, whatever the fuck. Bianca Belair has opened an issue challenge or, you know, issued an open challenge. You send a message out to Natalia and Raquel and everybody. Hey, guys, post a video on your social media challenging Sasha Belair. Hey, Stooge, who works at WW.com, write up an article. Hey, uh, you know, Kyler Braxton or whoever, do, you know, a promo. You know, build it up. And then come the main event, everyone already knows, okay, she's not there. What's going to happen? You don't have to false advertise. This was handled poorly on every single level this is terrible I, I guess James go ahead on just about every conceivable level this is the most false actually I take that back aside from two notable exceptions in the history of Pores and I've ever seen this is the most blatant disgusting act of uh, a false advertising I've ever seen the only way it would have been worse if they had brought out uh Kara Hogan and said that that was that that was fake Sasha, like fake Diesel and fake Razor. Um, oh, Jim Ross coming out saying, "Yeah, you want Sasha Banks? We sure. got Sasha Banks." Yeah, sure. Um, they knew they knew for eight days, uh, and if they di- and we know that they've known for eight days, um, and even if they didn't know for eight days, if they didn't know till the day of, they had every opportunity to tell people this match was not going to happen. And not only did the match not happen, the match is never going to happen again. You're never going to get Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair on a big show for the top title as a as a full on rematch of the first or second best uh, WrestleMania match of the last five years, six years. Um. Becky's back from a character's perspective. If you want to say, well, let it play out. Um, there's money in Becky and Bianca in a rematch. And obviously there is, but there will be a hell of a lot more money on Becky versus uh, Bianca as a first time encounter. Um, as Becky is coming back. Uh, for the title that drove her to uh, what she has become as the, at worst, the second biggest star in the company. Going after the SmackDown Woman's title. They immediately bring her in and she she effectively cashed in. Um, and like, she basically like screwed somebody to fans, they will view it as she got political or the or the the brass, this McMahon, whoever else, has such a fucking gigantic boner for her that they push they just basically shoved away something that was hot to the side, just like how uh what happened to Becky. So now either Bianca either is done or she becomes the martyr that people uh rally around. I'm I Given uh, the the demographics of this crowd, I'm assuming it is not going to work out to that ex- to that extent. Um, 
so you have that so um rich telling me that becky has turned heel it makes sense for uh for if that's the story that you're trying to go for for she's taking it she has now become charlotte she is uh she is now taking a, a, a playbook out of charlotte um storyline wise not not what or whatever like they're both cool people in real life um so i just think they did a lot of damage potentially to becky um as a at the box office i think that it hurts uh it, it damages uh bianca i'm not saying she's done i'm saying that like it's going to take oh it's going to take um a lot of good booking from a company that doesn't do a lot of it to fix this um and it was unnecessary and I, I just think it's one of the I think it's one of the most destructive acts of booking to one of the very 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 few uh, stars this man has wanted to push coming out of NXT um, in the last five six years so or not five six years let's say uh, let's say four years three years so um, really damaging I was there watching while while wearing a Bianca uh, my old Bianca NXT shirt and it's funny because like Damn. the last the last two shirts I've bought from it, from uh, WWE were the Bianca shirt and the Io Shirai shirt at the same time um, I ordered them and that was that was uh, the beginning of 2000, uh, 2020. Um and it's just funny it is like the beginning of the end. I, I, oh, that's right before they killed off uh, NXT before they went to the pandemic when they started doing the one final heartbeat. But my my whole point is like she she was unfuckable in like they're about to fuck her up. I think it, in everything that you said, uh, I think the word that stands out to me is unnecessary. Yep, inflicted this damage. Was all unnecessary. This didn't have to happen again. You have ten options on the table. You choose option eleven. Who one of the, does that? She, no, they chose one of the very worst ones. Like not even I'm saying this eleven because I'm sure they can make it. They could have made it worse. Like I'm sure, like Becky. I'm sure. I'm sure they could have pissed in Bianca's mouth. But <laughs> it, it, there's a, it's, it can always be worse. But they chose one of the worst, most disastrous options they could possibly have picked. And it's like they blew off. This, they they blew off so much in like one thing. Yeah, like, it was a hot return, shot shock angle. The, the 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 return, the title change, the squash. Like those are three different stories like, right. in themselves. Like, you could they, do. Like, think about it. If they wanted to turn Becky Lynch heel, they could have built towards the match. They could have brought her out, or had her make the save for Bianca. Say, have respect, get a match build, uh, or whatever else for the next pay per view, and then shot the the heel turn if that uh the heel turn on with Becky Lynch then. That's that's a quote unquote money program, of you you, you build anticipation for a month or however long it is the next pay per view. You shot the angle to keep to make it hot. You keep the dynamic fresh, and it, and it also gives you a rematch, a actual rematch. Um, and got two mat or two months worth of TV out of it. They got they their next match are done. There's nothing else to do. They got. They had three months worth of storyline and decided, hey, let's get a month out of it. They also did the same thing, ironically, with Sasha and Bianca. They did Sasha's return, um, teaming up, and a turn all in one show. Yeah. I'm like, this is Russoian. Like, I, like, who's running this? This this is very Russoian. A lot of what WWE does now is instead of creating the moments through stories, they create the moments and they don't worry about the stories. Everything that is done is for video packages or to talk about 
WrestleMania moments or SummerSlam moments, it's gotten so much to the point where, and I mentioned this last time I was on the podcast, I believe, with you guys, and I mentioned this on my podcast, we've gotten to the point where somebody walking down to the ring is a WrestleMania moment. And it's like, no, this is just someone walking to the ring. Like, what is going on? Why is Ty Conti having a black and white video done with her of her looking around and sitting in the empty stands of the WrestleMania arena? Oh, wow. She went in a world title tonight. No, she is participant number 12 in the 20 woman battle royal on the pre-show. And it's like, what is going on here? And that's what this Becky Lynch thing was for. This is for a video package. So you can say, hey, remember that SummerSlam moment for, oh, yeah, SummerSlam moments. And that's it. And, again, I just think James already summed it up. Unnecessary. That is the word I'm going to use whenever I think of this situation. Unnecessary. Yeah, so, just unnecessary. Yeah, so the, I almost forgot the stat. So thinking about it, watching it, it was like, yo, like this – all of the stalling you, you had talked about while covering or uh, reviewing this rich was with the Nakamura interest with Rick Boogs with the super long video package with the stalled out interest from Bianca and she's the champion. She comes out first with the ring announcement with Carmella coming out to be the, 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 the come down so that um, they can come out and pop and blow the roof off the building, which absolutely did um, to the squash to um, the Jinder Mahal match that goes for uh, in Drew match it goes like four minutes and forty seconds, or whatever else. Like in a span of fifty one minutes and some change, like we got bell to bell action, like five minutes and some seconds. And then I mean seconds, I mean like fifteen seconds in fifty one minutes of in front of the biggest uh, house they're going to draw all year. They set their, they had their fans sit down for a the their biggest gate for a wrestling show of the year and had them watch five or five minutes and change of wrestling and 51 minutes and change. It's fucking embarrassing. And this is happening in Vegas, the night of a Pacquiao fight where, uh, the people that own both venues that these two events are being held at told Vince, they want this show off the fucking air so that fans that have bought tickets to both shows that decided to fly out for the fake fighting and the real fighting to be able to transfer and go up the strip to the next venue. They didn't get off air until 12.08, when the match, the walkouts for the match, uh, for the boxing fight started at midnight. Because they wanted, because they wasted a uh, damn near an hour. Because they didn't start the show at 7. They started at 8. When they could have started at 7 and not deal with none of this. They could have ran as long as they wanted to. They started at 7. They weren't at 8. Got they also did that Xavier Woods and Miz and Morrison. and With his drip stick and fake Razor Ramon cosplay. Like, yeah. They, they did that too. Yeah, what yeah. What is all of this? That This is a <sighs> unnecessary. Again, I get, it, it's, it's unnecessary. You know what it was? You know what it is? And this is what... we. This is what I was talking about last show when I said like how di- disappointing it was that like SummerSlam is historically my favorite my favorite WWE hip review of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm not including Takeover because obviously we Takeover that's man that's not the main roster. But yeah. this this man book shit is my favorite one because it is a big show. They treat it like a big show, and 
they also get the fuck on and give you wrestling instead of making it into WrestleMania where they have all this other shit that's just a waste of time and just just wasteful time and when like shows has exploded to instead of going five hours now it's a two fucking hour show or four hour shows so so all of that that is the the wrestlemaniaization of summerslam thanks for even something we didn't no one asked for thank you appreciate it no one asked for this i couldn't imagine sitting in the arena and seeing the Xavier Woods segment and seeing Nakamura randomly make an entrance and say, what is it? What is this for? Like, why are we here? Who is this for? What is going on here? Sure. I love Nakamura's entrance. If he's actually wrestling and facing somebody, if he's just coming out, I'm not marking out for it. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this in any other situation, in any other scenario? Can you imagine Conan coming out in 1999 to the Wolfpack's theme music just to come out to the Wolfpack's theme music just so people can bob their head and then he fucking leaves. This doesn't work for me. This doesn't work in any other situation. This is terrible. This is a billion dollar company. And like you said, it's unnecessary. Like we accept when they run their commercials between matches, whatever else. Like it gives time in a big arena for people to get the fuck out the ring and move yeah. on and all that kind of stuff and less than promote uh things that to look forward to in, you know, partnerships that they have, responsibly, you know, eat a Snickers, blah, 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 all that. Like we we've accepted that. No one's ha- no one's mad at that part. Yeah. Nobody. Or no one should let me phrase that. No one should yeah, be you, mad about that part. Yeah, you gotta you know, pay synergy. The bills. Synergy gotta synergize, right? We're fine with yeah. that. But all the other shit we just discussed with the with the uh, with Nakamura, with uh, bringing out Carmella, with uh, the the runaround, with uh, with you know the 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 super drip stick two thousand or whatever the fuck it was. Like, no, fuck off with that. Like, if you want if you want to do another if you want to do a third uh, Hall of Fame class, sure, do that instead of this. <laughs> James, how is your how how high can you get your voice? What is your highest register? Uh, as far as pitch or as far as yeah, like pitch. amplitude? Yeah, I what you can do. Okay, because your your new slogan has to be unnecessary, but you have to say it in a high voice, like unnecessary, like boobs. <laughs> <And> that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh wow! <laughs> so we had the uh, SmackDown tag team titles uh, after that. Uh, the Usos defeating the Mysterios, who were dressed like the Macho Man. Uh, Dom Mysterio stinks. Uh, mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio is still great. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was just a match. Six-minute TV <laughs> match. I've seen him do I – saw, I, I saw Rey seemingly have a better match from the highlights I saw on SmackDown when he's doing, like, acai moonsaults. What do you think of Dom? Uh, Tom. Tom. You, can say, you can say Dom and Tom. It's okay if you rhyme rich. You're the rapper. <laughs> Trying to be all subtle in your own pocket. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to drop bars on him right now. So, uh, Thomas, I'll call you Thomas. To say. Right. But um, here's the thing, man. You know, Dominic Mysterio, as far as what I've seen him do in the ring, I mean, obviously, he's further along than a lot of people. The guy has no charisma. He has no presence. He is clearly dressing up as a wrestler. Uh, I don't think that he's embraced the other aspects of the business outside of performing 
performing moves. Um, I'm not a fan. I don't want to see him. If for some reason he gets on Twitter tomorrow or Instagram or whatever it may be and announces his retirement, I'm not going to cry. There's going to be no op-ed on Dom Mysterio and what he means to this generation or anything. Um, you know, that there's, well, there's just, you know, here's the thing. At the end of the day, there's a lot that he can learn, and he's going to have to eventually step out of his father's shadow. And that's what a lot of uh, these children of wrestlers have to do. I mean, Cody Rhodes did it. It took him a lot of time. Uh, Dustin Rose did it with Gold Dust. Uh, Natalia refuses to do it. Charlotte Flair refuses to do it, though she has uh, done it in some way, shape, or form <clears throat> outside of her father. Uh, but as of right now, you know, Don Mysterio is a non-factor, uh, no charisma, no presence. I don't know how he's on WWE TV weekly and Walter isn't. How is Don Mysterio getting a paycheck? Uh, but Bronson Reed had to be cut or Alex Zane had to be given the boot. Uh, so it's just one of these things where, you know, and I can understand it's most likely a Randy Savage type of WCW package where Rey Mysterio said, listen, you want me to resign? Okay, great. Sign me for $1 million for one point, you know, $1.1 million. $1 million goes to me. That other point one goes to my son. Oh, yeah, by the way, you're signing my son. And, you know, he probably worked out a great deal, and that's why we're seeing it. I mean, it's nepotism. Uh, it works for Dominic. He seems like a, you know, okay guy outside of the MAGA stuff. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. Apparently, Dominic Mysterio is MAGA, just like, uh, uh, what's, her, what's her name? Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez. But at least yeah, Raquel well, makes sense. Like, she's from, she's from RVG, so it's like, that, that yeah. makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, I, I I try not to get into the psychological as to why Dominic thinks, you know, Mag is the way to go. But, you know, whatever. But I'm still not a fan. Um, Dominic Mysterio, I've been on TV for 365 days. I ain't seen a vein in this man's arm yet. Like, has he entered a gym? Yeah. Like, at all. Like, he, is he's he taking a, the candy? He's in a weird, weird situation. Like, as you mentioned with Charlotte, as you mentioned with Natalia, um, you get yourself WWE events loves to have people basically run the greatest hits from, you know, the prior generation from your family. Um, obviously, the, the Samoans don't have that problem. They're able to, you know, they do Samoan drops and a few other things, but they mostly they all have their own identity. Um, Charlotte. While adapting to the legacy, she is still different from uh Rick, just based off of um, the fact that she um, basically basically she's a woman, and they won't push her like like she like at the top like a man, and, and other stuff along with it too. Um, but um, with with Ray, also I, I I don't like the idea of of of, of Ray only making one point one million dollars from WWE. He's he's making more than that. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, 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 I was just we need to get yeah, in do case we, anybody we, is, you know, quoting yeah. me, oh, he's yeah. making well. No, I'm just throwing out a number. Do we need yeah. to get Charlotte her own version of Space Mountain? Maybe. Like, uh, you know, so, well, but what's it going to be? The new Harry Potter ride? Or I guess uh, they always come up with something new every few years at Disneyland or Disney World. But uh, back to my point about or uh, what I said about Ray or Dominic and Ray is like, 
there's only one of those ever been made. There's only been yeah. one Rey Mysterio Jr. ever. And him with that with his body type. I mean, there are people with like there are Ninja Max out there, sure. Right? There are Keith Lees out there. There are people out there that don't look the part and can do all types of, you know, cool flying things. But when you are Ray Mysterio Jr.'s son, you are El Hijo de Rey, Rey Mysterio Jr. Yeah, when you are El Hijo de Rey Mysterio Jr., you cannot be a fly guy, a flippy guy, and then not look athletic at the same time. Yeah, you need like, to get on the juice. It's not even that. It's like, hey, man, like, they don't have the same body types. There's, so there's two, different, two, different, two clearly different people. I don't need to see Rey Mysterio Jr.'s son do lucha and flying that's like 5% as inspired, inspired as the, the revolutionary stuff Rey Mysterio Jr. was doing 25 years ago. Sorry, tw- you know... 27 years ago, 28 years ago. Like, it's mm-hmm. asinine, and it doesn't serve any purpose to get him over, actually. It is just something to do to, to fill time with the Usos or whoever else, or Ray, or at the time it was with Seth. So, like, he's going to have to forge his own identity. He's going to have to come up with a wrestling style that is not, that is something distinct from Ray, and he's going to have to forge his own path. The problem is, He's probably never gonna have a, have a chance to forge that path on main roster WWE. He's gonna have to go get it uh, out the mud somewhere else if he, if he's ever gonna figure it out. And and see that's the thing right there where you just said that he has to form his own identity in the ring. I said that he has to get the juice or he has to you know get the juice, but perhaps he needs to work with the juice. Call Hoovy and. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But um, no, he he does. I mean, he's coming out there and he's doing the same stuff Ray Mysterio's doing, and it's like, okay, great. You can cosplay your father. That's awesome. You can do the greatest hits. He obviously taught you all that. Ray Mysterio Jr. is a generational talent. A lot of people who are familiar with Ray Mysterio uh, for his WWE runs don't realize that in 19 in the early 90s people were laughing at this guy when he would show up to arenas because we were like hey who is this guy who is this kid who is this small guy yeah who is this whose son is in here trying to be a wrestler yeah no he was young in a war in new japan and wcw people were looking like who is this guy and then he would wrestle the bell would ring and unlike bray wyatt where and then the bell rings. And then For Ray the Mysterio, rang. it was, oh, shit. And then the bell rang. And then you see why this guy is out there. And you say, oh, wow. He was a generational talent. Dom Mysterio is not a generational talent. So to come out there and cosplay the greatest hits of your father, hey, man, that's all well and good as far as getting to the start and finish of the match if that's all you want to do. But if you want to make that connection – outside of your father's name and outside of your last name you have to bring something different to the ring and you're not doing it uh, with your personality and so you know i'm not going to say don mysterio needs to make up these crazy moves or anything like that but yes he needs to go on an excursion as you guys mentioned to main event no i'm just kidding he needs to go to mexico he needs to go to japan 
He needs to tour the indies. He needs to get out there. He has the basics. He needs to learn more, learn how to establish a connection with the crowd because being 24, 25 years old, coming out with his hands in his pockets like, you know, Bret Hart and saying, oh, dad, you're the best and kissing his dad on the cheek. That's not getting anyone over. That's not going to happen. Treating him like he's 16 rather than like, damn, they're 25. Yeah. And and it was fine for Rey Mysterio for people to treat him like he was 16 because he looked like he was 16. Don Mysterio doesn't look like he's 16. He looks like a grown man who shaved. It's kind of like when Tony Schiavone said, oh, uh, hey, don't touch my son. And you have this grown ass man with a full beard in there and tattoos. And like, your son? Okay, yeah, he's your son, man, but that's a grown ass man. He better start better, you know, better swinging his arms. Yeah, he better start doing something instead of taking those L's and you know. But uh, I, I guess less is more uh, when it comes to Don Mysterio, and by less is more in this case, I mean I don't want to see him on TV. No TV, no pay per view. Way too many Don Mysterio minutes on, on this show. Too many. It's, six, it's like six minutes. And he didn't do much anything. It's mostly Ray. And y'all still sitting yeah. him the fuck out of here. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was 11 minutes. I'm sorry. Not six minutes. 11 minutes. My bad. Um, Damian Priest and Sheamus for the U.S. belt. This is actually pretty good. Very good um, match. This is the third best match on the, on the easily third best match of the show. Like I saw, like, you know, it, Sheamus just continues to surprise you. Like he's just going to hit hard and fight hard. And they're not going to gimmick up his matches because um, he's a big brolic motherfucker and they don't see no reason to do so. And, uh, priest gets his first title win, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, Damien priest is definitely a charismatic guy. He looks great. He can talk, he can work. Um, I wish they would get him. <clears throat> and it seems as though they have, uh, got him as far away from the drip stick and, moist tv and all that nonsense why would you put this guy with bad bunny bad bunny who is cool and then you immediately put him continuing with the zombies and the miz and just the nonsense so him uh being champion and coming out looking great uh in front of a large crowd is really great uh sheamus he's been boring for a very long time he should be someone that uh, WWE should start sunsetting, but when he's in the ring, he delivers. He doesn't phone it in. He gives it his all, whatever that may be. Mileage varies with different people, uh, but I would like to see Sheamus uh, continue working with the quote-unquote younger guys, or I should say the fresher faces of WWE, and Sheamus likes hard-hitting. Next feud, Walter. Give it to him. <laughs> um, breaking news. Uh, before mm-hmm. I throw it to you, James, Charlotte has moved into a program with Alexa Bliss. God damn it. You didn't see me a, like a half hour ago, like look and then put my head into my sh- into my hands in like disbelief. That was because yes. of that. I just I just left it alone. I didn't mention it. I was just poison. Like, whatever. Yeah. 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 Bad um, news does not get better with time. Boy, so so yeah. Rhea Ripley has lost another feud to Charlotte. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was I going to say? Oh, we were Don't talking worry, about Triple Sheamus. H has a plan. No, no, no. Triple H, Triple H does not have a plan. Triple H said that they had a plan. There's a difference. It's not the same thing. Um, uh, so, 
yeah, um, it was an it was a nice it was a nice fun never match in the middle of the card. Strikers and they went out there and they hit hard and it was fun and like the 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 catching finisher anti air bro kick that he was still close that he had to turn into a V trigger was awesome. And that's all I'll say on it. It was a real fun match. I am I'm gonna give it like I think give it like three and a half stars for the time it was. It was it was a real fun match. Alexa Bliss and Eva Marie. Oh Jesus fucking Christ. An embarrassment to the profession. Yep. Um awful. Shouldn't like like who would want to see this? Like the funny thing was they didn't do any of the voodoo or anything like that. The voodoo might have helped. This was unbelievable. Again, this goes right down to <laughs> how much can you fuck up in three minutes? <laughs> or uh, I mean, you have to ask Eva because Eva's Eva's really bad, e- yeah. really bad. Like she 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 wouldn't pass a stardom test to become a pro wrestler. She wouldn't. Am I lying? No, you're what not. What is the stardom test? Yeah, actually, yeah. What is that? I, I was just gonna you know, roll oh with it because I was God. like, oh, okay, this okay. is obviously oh, you, okay. So a, this is you, obviously a One Nation Radio deep cut. So they put it. With. Oh, okay. So um, when Utami uh, passed her training test, they put out like a, a YouTube video of what what all went into it, and then when um, Isuki Hoshino passed, they showed parts of her protest, um, and more or less, it's. You do a bunch of calisthenics and Hindu squats and, and the like, and then you do bump drills, four bump, back bump, uh, flip, uh, roll, four rolls, and all that kind of stuff, backward rolls or whatever else. And then you wrestle uh, a number of matches, like two or three. Um, like I remember when Asuki was in there, it was basically just ground wrestling, like almost like Greco Roman wrestling, like, and, mm-hmm. like, uh, Azumi was stretching the shit out of, uh, uh, Isuki. Um, and then, based off of how it looked, you know, they they blown you up, they and they had you wrestle, and they want to see what you can do and how skilled you are based off of what you've trained for and what they trained you for, and if you complete it. Uh, the head trainer at the time, uh, when it was uh, when it was Utami, it was um, it was Kagetsu, and it was Mayu, and it was Rossi, and they ask her questions, she gives answers, and then they all, and then Rossi. Uh, all basically approved her and said she passed. Um, I don't remember who asked her, who asked Asuki what, but I remember back in 2018, that's what it was. So, like, you gotta go through a bunch of calisthenics, blow yourself up, and then wrestle, like, two or three matches, wrestling, wrestling in the middle of the ring with multiple people or whatever else on different fa- asset or b- different factors or whatever else of technical wrestling and mat wrestling and, and uh, chain wrestling and rope running. And... You get passed or failed after that, and then if you don't pass, you gotta you train some more until you eventually pass or you quit. Um, yeah, that don't sound like well, Alexa would even pass that. Not, like, not I don't mind. I'm now. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the stardom one. I'm not saying like the depraved one is like you gotta go. You gotta like the the Kakusa Nagayo Gaia one that's like famous for like how brutal it was because they're being the shit out, living shit out of each other. Like we're talking about like. Standard technical wrestling. We're not talking about throwing forearm shots and none of that, or slaps or punches and none of that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she, she she couldn't do it. I don't think she could. RK Bro, 
versus AJ Styles and Omos title change. Orton and Riddle win, become the latest oddball tag team yep. to uh, win the titles. They'll keep them until they break up and feud. And this is probably at WrestleMania. Yeah, that's probably a WrestleMania match. Yep. I've seen a lot of people hate on the RK Bro pairing. Uh, we talked about earlier CM Punk being a mentor to someone, or we see Sting gravitating towards Darby Allen. Randy Orton has been stale for a very long time. When we start talking about the WWE product and it being stale, not only in production and presentation, uh, but there's also wrestlers. There's been people who've been around for 10, 15, 20 years. Randy Orton's been in WWE on TV in some capacity since at least 2002, 2003. Uh, So to see him try and do something a little different, being a tag team with Matt Riddle, for me, it's a welcome change of pace. I do not want to see Randy Orton as he did in the last few years win another world title, win a Royal Rumble. This is how people get stale is that not only are they hanging around but they're repeating the same things that they've already done in you know they did better years ago uh so this rk bro stuff is okay with me it's getting riddle over riddle was already over randy was already over and now this is a new chapter for randy orton and this is how he should be used in a tag team you know not the main event, nice in the mid card. Let him get his pop, let him get his RKO, and let him get his rub or put his rub on somebody else who's going to be around longer than Randy Orton. I mean, Randy Orton's a, just getting up there in age. This isn't a 22 year old guy anymore. <laughs> neither is Riddle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, neither is Riddle, but That's I'm sure Riddle. You know, <laughs> there's also a different mindset and different pay grade at play here. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, obviously yeah, Randy's open. dad, yeah, Randy's dad a long time ago pulled him aside and said, Hey, listen, all those cross body blocks you're doing off the top rope, come over here, let me smarten you up. And he stopped that shit and he started getting paid. Riddle, he wants to do all that. Randy's going to say, Okay, you do that for me. And uh, I'll come over here and just hit my RKO and get paid. So, yeah. you know. This it, show opened with fine. Randy Orton and closed with John Cena. Yeah. So, my, okay. So, uh, you mentioned the the AEW and like the the steward and apprentice type of relationships that we had talked about earlier. Yeah, uh, Jedi and Padawan. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Senpai Kohai. It's funny. This yeah. like <laughs> Randy Orton's forty one. Riddle's thirty five. <laughs> And oh, Riddle, God. Riddle turns. I believe Riddle turns thirty six before Orton turns forty two. It is like this is this is funny to me. It's like he's a young guy at third, about to be thirty six in like half a year or like five months. It's just like, <laughs> all right, bro, whatever. Wow, for some reason I thought he was like twenty eight or twenty nine. That's how he looks. That's how they that's that's, tricky. That's, tricky. That's how man. he looks. Got to remember, he had a whole UFC career before this. Mm-hmm. And, and and you remember like when he start two thousand eighteen, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for six years he's been wrestling. Okay, yeah. yeah. So as long as I even think so, this yeah. Okay, yeah. But that was SummerSlam. Um, that match was fine. Yeah. It just went like six minutes, seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and, that, and that's the thing. If you know, if Randy Orton's involved in these short six minute things, it's not a big problem. If he's trying to have the 
greatest match of all time with Edge, well, that's when it becomes an issue. I mean, that match one of the best matches May Ross put on last year. I, that, look, I need more of those and less of, and less of uh, the kind of matches that Edge and and um and Rollins are doing this like just completely like <laughs> dead for the first half of the match and, to, and then they want to actually do some shit like if you want to do 22 minutes of that where you only try hard 14 minutes just do like an 18 minute match then mm-hmm. spare us NXT TakeOver some people said that this felt like they were watching Club Lavella Club Lavella wasn't this episode, fucking good the last fucking episode of Nitro uh <laughs> A lot of stuff like that. Um, I caught the last three matches of this, and I saw a goddamn classic uh, in one of them. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My leading match of the year. Like, Sa- Same here, my guy. Same here. <laughs> just, just, dude, nobody yeah. has a better, no one has a better uh, top four matches than Walter in WWE history. Nobody. Wait, Walter? I thought you were talking about the Dakota Kai match. No, that match is really good, though. No, I'm just kidding. But, oh, yeah, okay. go ahead. Okay. Yeah, like, that match... Easy five stars, like on mm-hmm. the Melzer scale. That's like some. That's like some five point five type shit. Um, yeah, just just an amazing, an amazing match. Um, lived up to lived up to its to its uh, predecessor very well. Uh, crowd was just that match went on third, and I was like, oh my god! Like cross and cross has no fucking shot. In in yeah, man, just it was an amazing match. Um, I mean, where, where do you want to jump from there? Let, let, where do you want to start? Main event and go down? I'm, yeah, Samoa yep. Joe and Karrion Cross. Um, it was fine. Good match. That's it. I'd probably give it three and a quarter. Yeah, um, end of the Cross era. They they ushered him out of the arena with hearty chants, yeah. uh, booze. Yep. Nah, 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 nah. Hey, hey, goodbye. During the entrance? Where's Scarlet during um, the entrance? Yeah, like Cross, like. Uh, and this match was on. Look, this wasn't on cross. And this match was only, only, but just good because um, Samoa Joe was gassed. He was blown the yes. fuck up he, he, almost immediately. Like Shane McMahon, Brock Lesnar, blown up fast. Like he was sucking wind. This match went like twelve minutes. He was sucking wind by a minute, th- by at least minute two or three. He was he was holding on, and he did a damn good job while blowing up to keep going. But you could tell he he was just he was he was exhausted the whole uh, holding on for dear life the, the rest of the match for twelve minutes or however long it went. Old, older guy, he probably carrying more weight, has been inactive, off the injuries. Um, this won't be his, this won't be his best match during his tenure. He'll as he gets into ring shape or whatever else, like. He's gonna be better, and he's gonna be also be in there with lighter and better guys. So it, it it won't be this kind of of an issue. But yeah, I was I was concerned that I was concerned that this Matt that he was in that kind of condition. A three time NXT champion now, most First ever. ever. Yep. Um, you know he was sent back for additional learning. You know, uh, in NXT, and um, yeah, I I don't know what they uh do with him going forward, but um. Be the guy to carry about, promos. Yeah, and, I'm not. Videos. I'm not sure who who the baby faces are or the heels are to fight them, but um, maybe Pete Dunn, maybe something like that. But Dunn's gonna happen. Dunn Dunn's been sitting in the in the waiting wing. He was gonna be the next challenger for whoever won between Cross and, and Joe. They've gone face to face with. He's gone face to face with both of them. He was on deck. That's probably that might be t- that might be TV more than uh, Takeover. Actually, that's how soon we'll get that. I think. Did you, did you catch this one out of time? 
Yeah, I caught it. Uh, it was good for what it was. The right outcome uh, came out. One of the things that I kind of want to get your guys' opinion on, you mentioned it earlier, the hearty chance and carrying cross, getting the hey, hey, na-na uh, song, goodbye uh, sort of thing. And there were some reaction online where people said, oh, he didn't deserve this. He deserved more. And I'm sitting there saying, this guy's a heel. And not only is he a heel, but when do we get to a point in pro wrestling where everyone, regardless of their allegiance, uh, heel or babyface, uh, regardless of their performance, that everybody needs to get a standing ovation and a big thank you for your service? Like, what is going on here? Why do people think that Karrion Cross deserved better? This guy is a historically boring guy who, for some reason, had a career in impact in Triple uh, A, signed to NXT, no charisma. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. I mean, if you want me to give him a standing ovation for getting paid, then yeah, I'll do that. But as a character and whether he's leaving NXT or staying or whatever it may be, I don't care. Uh, am I missing something here? Where did we get to? And I guess my overall question is, why should I, as a fan, care about whether a heel is leaving the territory or even a mediocre worker or a guy with no presence, no charisma, etc.? I, I think it's just an illustration of like how in NXT, most people that wrestle there are beloved to some extent, but Cross isn't who, at all. Seriously, He's kind who, of... Who is the last person that got a a takeover match that you knew that was their last match as they lose and like you just like okay move on like who gives a fuck? No, I mean who gives a fuck as far as like but was going to like leave no fanfare just like all right cool or actually instead of fanfare gets like the gets jeered with I didn't I didn't know about the about these na 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 hey hey goodbye things until now but like apparently he got them but. Who's the last person NXT to, to, to be someone that you knew was losing? Is their last call? Corbin, maybe? I don't know. We knew that was Corbin's first call-up. Yeah. Uh, but still, just like, that's illustrative of what his run was in NXT. He got a Brock Lesnar push. He is not Brock Lesnar. Under, under any way, shape, or form. He's not a performer. He's not the... He might be the athlete at this day and age, but he's not the size. He doesn't have that aura. He doesn't work as stiff. He's in a he's in a he's in a uh, brand slash promotion where like he's one of the softer workers in the entire division as far as uh as far as striking in in, in holes and believability and, and whatever else. Like to go from watching Samoa Joe who he's wrestling to watching Walter to watching uh Dragonoff to watching uh Shit, Cole and O'Reilly to watch them beat the live ever loving shit out of each other throughout the entire night and then to watch Cross still not fucking get it. It's like, look, bro, you're gonna have a great long career in this business and and graduation for you. But he's gonna be the one of the very first motherfuckers to talk about how fans backlash to people and fans aren't grateful. Watch. Oh yeah. And look, if you don't want to wrestle that style that the that the fans want, I don't think the fans should give him shit for it, right? He's working the way that everyone says they should work. Perfectly safe, perfectly fine, looks good size, looks believable, does everything textbook pretty well, right? 
but that's not what that's not what's going to inspire anybody. Yeah. Like, if you want to say people that do like him, I think they like Flash not in the in the stuff around him, and not the actual uh, heart and substance of the of the character or person. Because, like, as far as that, that's always been left wanting. There's always been so, just somebody something that you fill you fill <clears throat> in the blanks, as opposed to like, nah, you can tell you what is all going on. He's just he's just there. That's why they think about what he could be he's rather more of a, than what he is. I think he's more of an image than an actual like three D thing. Like he's just he's just light. Like and they never really tried. Like there's a difference between Alistair Black and him. <laughs> I can tell you things about Alistair Black's uh personality and character trait and what he believed in than Cross. Cross was like more of like just a blank chaos agent, which is like that's cool if you're a writer to just have do fuck do crazy ridiculous off the wall stuff, and then um, say it's because of the nature of the spirit of you know what the person you're uh, of this character or whatever else. But like he's not even crazy or, or off the walls like that. He's pre- and also he's pretty tame by comparison of being this kind of chaos agent. He didn't shake anything up really or fundamentally do anything. He was just there. He spent his time. He moved the fuck on. And quite frankly, he's better suited for the main roster because Vince, with his wacky imagination, it'll take him all kinds of places that Cross and NXT couldn't. O'Reilly and Cole. Um, I thought this was good. Um, not great at all. Shocking um, finish. They didn't go uh, as long as everyone thought. I thought they'd go like 79 minutes. 79 but, uh, minutes. But they went 25, broke it up um, quite, you know, creatively. Um, I When the finish was happening, I was like, oh, my God, this is the finish. And then it was. I couldn't believe that was the finish. I was. I started laughing. He's right next to, his, like, he's right next to the Kindle stick. I thought he was going to hit him with a Kindle stick and then get up. And then he can't get out the cage because his neck's hurt. And then we're going to continue and go like another. I thought they were going to. I thought they had another like five minutes in them. Add this to the uh, history of NXT matches that end while somebody is handcuffed uh, and wins. <laughs> Third one. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, this may be worse than uh, Johnny Gargano because, like, he just got caught by a move that someone did while they were handcuffed. Like, this person was handcuffed and submitted you. Like, so you had to sit there and take it. Yeah. Um, and there's a kid yeah. stick in a chair right next to you within arm's reach, and you still tapped out. Yeah, I imagine this is an emotional night. Cole looks like he's perhaps on his way out of the promotion. Um, he has not re-signed with WWE. Um, Nor should he. Uh, at least, yeah. like, if he re-signs, <laughs> if, if he re if he goes back to WWE, fine. But become a free I agent don't first. Ever want to hear anything? Become a free agent. No, I'm saying, I'm just saying, like, if he goes, if he does go to WWE, come back or whatever else, like, he needs to go. He needs to reach free agency. To, and, and then and then decide whenever he comes back on the main roster or whatever else from there or go to go to anywhere else he needs to like become free agent officially don't just resign before hearing people's best pitch he's yeah, the top free uh, agent in the market that's not Daniel Bryan because we think all Daniel we all think Daniel Bryan's already signed right um yeah I'll probably go four stars on this one I don't I didn't think it was I, I haven't been crazy about the Colton O'Reilly feud pretty much all year. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Like that's either is either three and three quarters or four. Um, I w- I was surprised the first fall in it in so fast. Um, like he caught him with he caught him with a uh, an Arana cradle to pin him, I believe, 
and then they went to the hardcore match, and I really liked the hardcore match part of the match. And then they went to the cage, and there was a bunch of stallings to get the cage down. I'm seeing like at the bottom rope, uh, a a uh, a trash a trash can, and I'm just like, are are they gonna close it down? And they had to pull it out. I'm thinking like, was that what is that supposed is that does that play into their match? That and this got pulled out. Now they can't put it back in. And then one thing I noticed, I think they went home early. And the reason why I think they went home early is because. When uh, O'Reilly brings out the bag that had the cuffs in it, at first I thought it was a bag that had uh, thumbtacks in it, but it didn't. So when Cole goes and grabs the uh, the handcuffs out of it, he literally dumps the bag upside down after the yard has the handcuffs out, like he's looking for a key. And then he can't find the fucking key. Mm-hmm. And then the match ends so abruptly, I'm thinking like, that's probably the spot they're going for. Get the, you know, he's dead to rice. He's been hit with the kendo stick. He's been hit with pump kicks. Catch him with the, you know, catch him with the heel hook. He can't move. That gives O'Reilly time to get the, the key and get out before he can, K- and then they continue. And then they just ended it like that. And it's like, yo, like, this might be his last match at NXT. I can't believe this match ended this abruptly. This should have gone another, you know, another one, stands of near falls, whatever you want to call it. Like, I just, I just thought it was, I thought it was a really, like, really flat finish that kind of just caught me off guard. I was not expecting that. And I also had to follow, you know, one of the best matches in the last five years in the world. So there, there's also that too at play. Uh, Walter and Ilya Dragunov. <sighs> My God, man. They did it again. They did it again. Incredible match. Um, fighting spirit. Um, small guy versus big guy. Um, having to live up to expectations of uh, what they did in a empty arena match, which it, it's going to definitely be like, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to write something glowing about it at the end of the year. Um, so I don't know how deep I want to get in on it, but it's one of the best matches I've seen. It's the best match definitely I've seen this year. Um, like, I just enjoyed it so much. Like they were like, there was small bits of like sloppiness that just like engross you further into watching it. I was like going like, Oh my God. Like I was popping, um, for every like chop and cut off and, um, just every, you know, kind of sequence they put together and that the submission at the end with the hanging choke was perfect. Yeah. Um, it, it was like, I, I didn't want no bullshit like the Goldberg match. I didn't want the referee to stop it. Like, I wanted to see someone get their ass beat. And after all this time, somebody finally beat Walter. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, it was pretty great. And as James would say, it was unnecessary. It was unnecessary beating and great violence and everything that I want in pro wrestling. Pro wrestling to me is a struggle. It's a fight. There should always be urgency. We're not out here to entertain or put smiles on people's faces. If that so happens during a match, then so be it. But ultimately, the goal is to win, is to get that paycheck, is to get a championship, is to put yourself in better uh, contention for a title, is to be able to take care of your family. You're not out here hot-dogging it, playing around. This was a fight. This was serious. If anyone didn't know who these two guys were, they told you who they were at TakeOver. 
this was an incredible match. It's every, and you know, I think, uh, Rich, you even said it uh, yourself on Twitter. You said, that, you know, this, no, you don't have to think about it. This was easily five stars. There's no second watch needed. We don't need to, you know, hash this over with anyone. We know what we're seeing. We know what it is. This was a very good match. And if this is the swan song of NXT TakeOver, I think the Kali O'Reilly match and the uh, Walter match are very great uh, final send-offs for what this era of NXT was and what it meant for a lot of people and what it could have continued to be. I mean, the uh, successes and failures, you can see it in these matches. What worked, what didn't work, what worked for a short, short time, what worked for a long time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, Walter match, great. Colin O'Reilly, I'm glad it didn't go 75 minutes. I'm glad people weren't looking at their hands or, you know, all this <laughs> other nonsense. Um, it kept me entertained. The guy who's apparently staying in the territory won. It is what it is. This is this is like incredible wrestling. Um, in my head, as a match goes on, when you go to double down spots or near falls, I start thinking like, where is this? I I hate when it happens, but in my mind, I'm thinking like. Is this a good? Is this a fine match? Bad match? Good match? Great match? And then from there out, and then as it goes on, I'm thinking like numbers in my head of star rating. And it, it, before a match even finished, sometimes it happens, right? Um, so I have I so this. So I do this. I, no, I, I I come in everything blank, and then I go from there. So the thing for me is, um, I forgot where I was in this match, but I was questioning whether it was five stars, like. Once they got, I like the wrestling, the, the mat wrestling they did in the beginning so much, and then they kept, and then they kept going. And like after the first near fall, I think it was after a, the first power bomb. I think is when I was like, "Yo, this match is fucking awesome," and I was thinking like four and a half, and then they kept going, and I was like, "Yo, this match is like this match is already five stars," and I was like, "Man, they're not even. I don't even think they're close to done yet." Um, and then they just kept going, and I was just like, "Jesus, these like Walter." Walter has, like I said before, Walter's best four matches in WWE: the the Dunn match in New York, the uh, Bake match um, at Cardiff, uh, the October match for the title um, with Dragunov in this match. I, nobody has four better. Um, nobody has a better top four match in WWE history than him. Not Gargano, not Bret Hart, not Shawn Michaels, not Kurt Angle, not Chris Benoit. It's him. He's really great, man. He's fucking awesome. Like, like when people like when people say this as a gimmick or whatever else, or you know, it's like you know, people say their thing, or whatever else, and that's the one nation radio's like, own Walter. I might add, right? Yeah. So when people talk, say their thing about like you know, I'm the best flyer in the world, or whatever else, Ricochet or Osprey over the years, and then you'll see people like Lance Archer or. Um, or Bronson Reed say they're best big man in wrestling. No, the fuck you are not. 
like we can't even we we can't even we can't even do the you know self promotion thing like that. Everyone should hop in this mission and be like, take this shit down as Walter. How fucking dare you? He's fucking unbelievably awesome. Like he, there are any Russell. All he does is Russell like a fucking young lion. That's all he does. He just rustles like a like a young lion. He's fucking incredible. Like he is he is. It is Okada ish how good he is. Like. There, he's not doing anything crazy. He's not doing anything ridiculous. He's not flying over the place. Yes, he's super violent, whatever else. And yes, he'll drop you on your head occasionally, whatever else. But like, all he's doing is just wrestling really hard and better than everybody else. Or by 99.9% uh, of the wrestling world in big matches. That's all he does. He's fucking incredible. He's the modern Kenta Kabashi. Yeah. I'll yeah. leave it at that. No, like, yeah, I, I have no, I have, I have no, I have no. Uh, I'm not saying he is as good as Kabashi. Kabashi is like so prolific, but you pull up the Walter Cage match and you look at all the shit you didn't watch, and you're just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, there's plenty of stuff for you to like, watch. Like, like, like watch he don't got the flips stuff. like Kabashi, but like everything else, like that frame, same size, wearing black. Yeah, man, <laughs> fucking awesome. I love him. I love him. Like he's yeah, one of my yeah. very favorite. Like, I don't know how many people I would pick before him if I had to have a a big match or whatever else. But like, then there's no way he's not in the top eight for me. Like, out of, out of watching a big time match, mm-mm, he's fucking incredible around the whole entire world. All all look, Mayu Watani, Shingo Takagi, Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada, um, Takesh, uh, like. Uh, Shuri, Iwatani, Nanai, Takahashi, uh, Vikingo, who, Phoenix, who, who you yeah. want to pull out? Yeah, you gotta respect Ray Phoenix. So, I'm just yeah. saying, like, he's, he is well, absolutely Osprey. in, he's Osprey, <laughs> yeah. I forgot, I told, I'm very, uh, mm-hmm. it's an omission, it's, 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 a tra- it's a snub that I didn't mention Osprey, Osprey's on that level as well. Ibushi, Suzuki, all that, all them people you want to name, he is absolutely on that level of performer. He's incredible. Yeah, no, he's Arisa Nakajima. The, yeah, just sorry. He's I'm one confused. of the no. You're right. I mean, he's one of the top guys, uh, not only in NXT but in the wrestling business. I hope that he, in this new uh, incarnation of NXT, uh, that he is one of these guys that just moves up to the main roster. There's money with Lashley and Walter. There's money with Goldberg and Walter. There's money with Lesnar and Walter. If you really want to do it, I mean. There's a lot of stuff that he can do on the main roster that would be really good and really fun to see, and uh, I hope it happens. They're not gonna let him wrestle like that. The no, they're roster. not. Not no. a chance. Um, like I, I wanted him last year before the pandemic happened. Um, when they were shooting, they were gonna do the Dublin uh, takeover with have it be Walter versus uh, Balor. Um, I thought we we're gonna get that match. We're not gonna get it, but. Um, what I did want was I wanted Walter to come over here and become the, the NXT champion. I don't know how it happens. I don't know what mechanization or whatever else, but like, I don't care if it's a, if he comes here and he only wrestles on takeovers and he only comes here like twice, twice on TV before takeovers. And he becomes, he basically becomes Brock Lesnar. I don't uh, the Brock Lesnar Heyman, uh, thing that run they had. 
I would like him to be an NXT champion and have him have these kind of matches with all them, all them little never dudes, the tough white men they have in NXT, <laughs> and have him just kick, just reel out uh, four and a quarter, five star matches um, for like a year, year and a half, two years. I don't even fuck shit. Do it until I die. That's how fucking good he is. Like, <laughs> I mean, there was a point. Uh, there were multiple times I, I told Rich like. If they buried Walsh with that NXT UK belt, I'd be happy with it. He's that awesome, and like he's just he's just the best. He or not the best. He's one of the very very best ever, like that I've ever seen. Like he's one. He's that level of big match wrestler. I'm like he's one of the best big match wrestlers I've ever seen. He's incredible, incredible. Love him. Um, yeah, it's like he's gonna give you one of them a year. Like, it seems like it. Like like it might not be like four or five of them a year or like that insane pace, but like. It's like, yeah, man, I'm calling my shot. Like, yeah. But, um, yeah, I didn't catch the previous two matches, so, James, you can lead us through. Okay, so the second match was uh, Dakota Kai versus Raquel for the NXT Women's title. Very good match. Um, somewhere in that three and a half to three and three quarter range. Um, they were wrestling. They were wrestling like they only had a certain certain amount of time, and they had to fit their stuff in, which led for a, a brisk pace. Um, this was a this was a match that you rarely get to see for out of Dakota Kai, but you know she can do where um, she can almost be like the uh, big big woman small woman match, but she because they know each other so well, they can basically do all these counters to their to their spots that people recognize and. It was it was pretty it was kind of advanced level wrestling from a storytelling perspective of people countering counters of counters or not counters counters but like because that because that is like the Osprey uh, shingle level but like they were countering counters I'll put it that way so that was really cool um, and played into the strengths of Raquel is just a powerhouse in like all her matches that have been good in the last uh, ten months have been playing into that whenever they try to get into her doing more it becomes a problem. And they just basically said, none of that. We're only focusing on your strengths, like most good wrestlers and bookers do. And her and Dakota put together a well-told story that felt like, that felt um, on, on point with the other high-level um, NXT women's title matches on TakeOvers. Um, is it towards the lower tier? Yeah, but it was a damn good match. I, I Like like I said, like if someone gave this um, three and three. I, I'm thinking three and three quarters, but or th- or three and a half. But like someone said, four. I would say shortness. The shortness of time probably for me would make me pause. But like as far as the level of wrestling, I would say yeah, I, I get you. But and also like the fact that it wasn't a back and, much of a back and forth. Like you knew that you, you kind of knew the way it was laid out. They were going towards getting you one spot where Dakota looked like she could win, and they kick, and then she keeps trying again, and then she ends up getting caught and pinned. So. Um, I, I thought I thought it was I thought this was one of the this was a pleasant surprise because that Ember match that they had uh, the Embers t- the match that she the defense against Ember last takeover left me was like as she regressed but now we're back we're kind of back on pace to what like Raquel has done in big matches where they, she's needed a big match um, in the last ten months so it's happy it's funny I, I saw a tweet that that made me laugh quite a bit said Raquel's slam finisher is so impactful because her opponent's back is already damaged enough from carrying her. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, do you have any uh, uh, remarks on the on match? No, the uh, match was pretty straightforward. 
Uh, they didn't embarrass each other out there. They didn't embarrass themselves. They didn't embarrass the company. <laughs> and uh, sometimes that's all you can ask for. I'm not a big Dakota Kai fan. I'm not a fan of MAGA Raquel. Uh, but I definitely see uh, Raquel having uh, a life on the main roster, uh, them getting some mileage out of them, uh, or out of her, rather. Uh, for Dakota, that may be the same. Uh, she always has this face like she just took a shit or she smells something <laughs> nasty. Uh, so that's kind of one of the things I always notice about Dakota Kai. Uh, she has that face where you're like, eh, okay, what up? But the talent's there. She can promo. She can obviously, if you give her something to sink her teeth into, uh, she can do that and become a character. Uh, so I think there's some things that they could do with her as well. Uh, so, yeah, I hope to see both these girls down the line or both these women, I should say, down the line doing something great. Uh, the fundamentals are there and the crowd was into it. It was not a waste of time. It complemented the show. Uh, so, yeah, this was definitely not a Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair situation. Yeah. So uh, one thing or two things I had to point out, one is like the match order of this card to go from the million dollar match to the women's title match to the UK title match to Riley uh, Cole three to uh, NXT match. You notice mm-hmm. how like they did not put themselves in a position to where they put on matches. Uh, well, the main event you could say, but that's the main event. So I had to go on last, but like outside of the main event, they did not put any match in a position where like they had to go follow that. And then, you know, they had no fucking chance. Like, cause if they had put, uh, <laughs> Raquel in Dakota fourth after following <laughs> after following a three stages of hell type of a three uh you know two out of three falls three stages of hell match and Walter versus Dragunov this would have this could have died a slow death even with the same level of execution so uh oh, you yeah, know m- much like NXT in the wrestling wrestling world they book they book and sequence their matches to you know, have people like, you know, do good and not get embarrassed as opposed to WWE, where it's like, we don't, we don't care. Um, or the main roster, we don't care. So, um, also of note during the video package, uh, they show the resentment in the times of wrestlers have overlooked Dakota to get to Raquel over the time showed EO running to walk in and offer the title shot that she ended up winning the belt, uh, with two in the contract to, uh, Raquel by walking right past Dakota and and talked about like you wouldn't be champion was for me I carried you and everything and you were you were in obscurity they show old Raquel in the chaps and in in the Mayon Classic and stuff and then uh, Raquel and then Raquel said you use people and then get jealous when they become bigger stars than you and they showed and they, then they showed like Dakota and Tegan. <laughs> Showed her turning on Tegan too, and I was just like, I'm fucking laughing. And then at the end, towards the end of it, like Dakota was like, "I am, I am not your sidekick." And I was like, "Oh yeah, you are. Not only are you a sidekick, you are the captain of Team Sidekick. So congratulations, Damn. <laughs> take your take your ass on." <laughs> Damn, how, how are you? And how I can't you wait. Have a whole and wrestling I, career as just a sidekick. It, it, <laughs> it, look, and I cannot wait until I get off because I I didn't watch Takeover until uh. Uh, about an hour before, half hour before uh, we started recording this, but I cannot wait to get that to my phone so that I can then talk to Caleb Baldwin and Floyd Johnson Jr. about 
what happened to the captain of team kick who they who they swear there's always this long-term story to get her to be the champion after all these years and i kept telling them I watch this show every week. They have never presented Dakota as a champion under any circumstances ever. She's going to lose. And sure enough, what happened? She fucking lost again. So there we are. She is there to it. She is there to be basically like in the upper mid Carter that will lose big matches. That's her thing. She's won matches only because she was going to lose this match. So she will go back to losing again against other people that are up at the high level again. So there you go. And I like Dakota a lot, but don't try to shoot me this bullshit. This is not WWE where people just all of a sudden become champion out of nowhere. Or the main roster. This is how they book. She is at this level. She will not get to that level. She is there. She, she is not at the Neville level. <laughs> James is blowing out all the kisses and taking all those flowers for his victory lap. Go ahead. And then from there, we can go to the million dollar match. Um, Cameron Grimes versus Ted DiBiase in a slave match to where if uh, the slave Cameron Grimes loses the uh, the fit the sorry the slave that's a fifty that's worth fifty million dollars will then uh, transfer the slave duties over to the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. Very good match. Another one of those ma- singles matches where I say to myself, "Why in the fuck did they do the ladder match to begin with?" They did it again. They had another three and a half, three and three quarter level match together. Um, uh, and LA Knight does a very good job. And it reminds me of Bobby Roode in a way of making a hybrid of hill wrestling with modern stuff that people want to see to pop the crowd, especially with the opponent you're in. There was a spot where Grimes had the advantage early, tried to go for the cave in early. He turned into a into a sit-out powerbomb or he turned into a powerbomb from near fall. Stuff like that. Just like... Just just use your imagination and don't bore us to tears by being the traditional, traditional old guy or, or old school guy. Like, don't don't be so old school that, like, the match looks like it's, it should be on fucking VCR or on, on uh, VHS. Like, actually modernize your stuff. So he does a really good job with that. Um, he's going to I think both of them will be successful. Uh, at the end, Grimes ends up winning after some um, shenanigans with uh, DiBiase getting involved again, some heat, getting his heat back. On um uh on LA Knight with the belt by hitting him with the belt, putting in a million dollar uh dream. Um and then Grimes wins with, with a stop with a cave in and gets the pin. Um crowd was hot for it. Um later on in the show they did a a uh, a backstage promo showing and it felt very NWA studio-ish of uh Grimes and DiBiase um cutting a promo celebrating that they that they're titled their also allude to having a million dollar ch- ch- uh, celebration on Tuesday, I believe. So this was a this was a huge success, and it was like very. And like we said, like this is an X Factor match. Once this match went off, it was like this felt very much like one of those uh, 2015 NXT takeover matches, where it's like it's in the studio. It's people that kind of don't fit the mold of super indie guy, but like they're going, but they're going out there and they're having a match that has some indie elements in it. But like at the heart, it feels like a WWE st- told story, and it, it worked. Um, so yeah, like and, and the crowd was super hot for Grimes when he won and popped down all that. So I, I thought this was a huge success off the start off the show off that way. Cool, yeah, man. this was a really good match. Uh, two guys with great characters. Uh, La Knight is what 37, 38 years old. Uh, so he's, I think he's going to be uh, on the main roster sooner rather than later. 
Cameron Grimes. I've never been a fan of Trevor Lee. Never been a fan of Trevor Lee. I'm a fan of Cameron Grimes. The LA guy Knight will be 39 November 1st. Oh, wow. Yeah, so in this uh, new incarnation of NXT, I'm sure he's going to be on Raw and SmackDown, like I said, sooner rather than later. This was a good match. This worked for NXT. This would work on the main roster. Uh, both guys are ready. I want to see him do it. And, um, yeah, it was it was very entertaining for what it was. Yeah. James, would you like to say a few words about NXT? <laughs> more the, 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 more the than what I, the, the, the eulogy? More than what we said the other, or a couple weeks of that? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to fuck with you. I mean, Any of y'all, either of y'all boys did the crate challenge yet? Hell no! What? Fuck no! I'm a grown man. No. no, no. The real thing. The real thing is, I can't wait till GCW or some indie show does a crate challenge or someone does a dive off the top crate. That's gonna happen. That is definitely oh, gonna happen yeah. on some on some outlaw mud show where someone does one of the dives and lands on somebody. Absolutely. Yep. So all y'all that's listening, um, do not do the crate challenge. Uh, I don't care if you think you can do it. I don't care. I I've seen women do this in heels. I have seen someone roll a blunt up and light it on the way down on the last one and step off. I have seen people lift weights on the top of the thing. I have seen people bust their natural ass on <laughs> every on other that. one. Just yes, about, they yeah. bust their face, bust everything. Like like don't like. I don't know who's doing this. Like I don't know who's who's making these crates easily available, but um, they sell them out. Yeah, the, something's going on. They're always on the and like the back of stores where they're just available. They're out back. You can get them. Yeah, uh, you know they they making them a little too available. You know, <laughs> you know. Look, that's what they want to do. Go for it. The one, my favorite one was, uh, the one where like it's on the asphalt and this guy's going up and he and basically when you watch these, basically like. Most of the most of these, like the real struggle, is get because you know each you know there's a stack, there's a row of one, a row of two, a row of three, four, five, six, seven, and then six, and then on the way back down six, five, four, all the way down. To me, from what I've seen, once you get f- to, from five and higher, that's when the level of difficulty raises exponentially. And I saw this guy get to just go up. Uh, go four, five, six in quick steps and he got up there quick and then he got to the top step and he thought he was going to hop off and he was on asphalt and he, I guess this man thought it was sweet because you know, on, on grass it's a lot harder, it's sturdier foundation on the asphalt. This man thought he was going to hop and skip and thought it was sweet once he got to that top row of seven and that man came crashing down and by the time he landed he, look, he he was he got overconfident because of the asphalt but the asphalt ended up, uh, uh, he almost landed on the asphalt, but the last crate, he landed head first on the last crate on the back end, on the back row, and that saved him from his head hitting concrete in the asphalt, and he would, he probably would have been really messed up, but it was, but it is comical that the fact that this man basically, almost like some video game shit, jumps off the top and lands head first on the top crate, but that crate saved him. That crate doomed him and saved him at the same time, them crates, so uh, stay off them crates. Stay off them crates, like stay off drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't do crates, kids. Yeah, yeah, I saw one video where one guy he's ascending to the top, and then out of the blue, like Shelton Benjamin coming from the top rope, this guy just runs out. This little kid runs out and just hits a super kick. Oh, on yeah. the crates. Yeah, 
and the guy just winds up falling. I'm like, who the fuck does that? Oh, I uh, would beat his ass. You, you know who does that? You know who does that? A terrible stepdad that had they steps on uh, uh, give him one that he that was owed to him. He does. Oh, I, look, I, I would have definitely pulled one of those in my youth. Like, <laughs> look, I look, I don't know for sure, but that's the, that's the kind of heat that I that's that's the, that's the kind of like disrespect that you that you recognize. Like, oh, this is a personal thing. This is a personal mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and the way in <laughs> the way he fell, the way dude fell, and he just sat there and looked off his face or whatever else. It was like the I can't get you right now because I'm hurting. When I get you, I'ma get you. <laughs> that, was, that was one of those. But uh, but yeah. Uh, is there anything we got anything else to bring up? Because uh, okay, so. Uh, Stardom's Grand Prix starts back up. Uh, the, the last two weekends of shows have been canceled um, because of uh, COVID concerns inside of the company with personnel. Uh, like a lot of the wrestlers are already vexed, but um, because you of mean the- James, they didn't call everybody to the arena first and then announce no one would be showing up. <laughs> Believe it or not, no, that did not happen. They they uh, they gotcha. canceled the shows and issued refunds. How about that? Um, yeah. So you mean they were responsible adults. Yeah. What? So uh, the some of the wrestlers uh, were in people's close contact list, so they had to ca- they had to cancel the show. So, but this weekend coming up, they start the shows back, and uh, the Saturday show, Rich Tam versus Shuri. Oh boy! Oh, boy. One day she always flows. Cannot wait. Oh, that match is gonna be great. That match is gonna be great, bro. That's gonna be great. I was looking at um, I was looking at what Tam has uh, left on the on the on uh in the tournament because she pretty much got all, most of her matches done. The only thing left mm-hmm. for her is is I don't know the order, but Shuri, Azumi, Utami, and Takumi. Like <laughs> her final four matches are gonna be great. Just, oh man, oh, um, it's gonna be if, great if you can somehow get your get your hands on it. I like to uh, get my hands on that, you know, a way to watch that Seedlink show mm. uh, to see Rhea Mizunami and uh, Risa Nakajima. It is their title I, match from the, ninth, from the 19th. Yes, we will we will review that next week. It's up. So I, I it's up already. So I'll uh, so we'll, we'll watch that this week and then we'll review it uh, on the show um, next weekend. Indeed. Uh, Tom, uh, thanks for coming on with us. This was a pleasure, man. We got to have you back on more often. You and Tanya both. We got to have y'all b- back on. More often. <laughs> I wonder how they, how they regular, come on regular, like, back to back again. Uh, yeah, that did happen last time. Yeah, so um, yeah, man, uh, throw us your plugs. Yeah, as far as plugs are concerned, the Pro Wrestling Only Mostly Network on SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can hear me on the military industrial suplex i am back doing some more episodes uh, candy lee going to interview her uh this week my second time talking to her second conversation uh, that should be out later this week and thank you guys for having me that's all i have to plug okay uh awesome, man. <laughs> thanks thanks for listening y'all that's in the, the show be sure to raise whatever app you're using to listen to this with uh, g- drop by uh, our red circle and drop us off with a donation and be sure to check out ProWrestlingTees.com slash social suplex. Don't just get the CM Punk t-shirt. Get the One yeah. Nation Radio social suplex merch. Um, <laughs> listen to other shows on the network. Uh, besides One Nation Radio, you have Keeping It Strong Style. You have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show. You have uh, 
Grumman Washer shit. You have the Grave Consequence Podcast. You have 8-Bit Suplex. You have All Things Elite. And you have Great Mass Generator. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later. Peace. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.